You're saying this wasn't an accident. Leslie Tiller was fucking murdered! Just like Tim Messenger? Yes! George Merchant? Yes! And Eve Draper? Yes! Martin Blower? No, actually. Really? Of course he fucking was! Thank you, Danny! Oh, murder, murder, murder. Change the fucking record! Thank you, Andy. Exceptional policeman officer Nicholas Angel is given a promotion to sergeant, but has to move to the sleepy village of Sanford, Gloucestershire. Despite its idyllic exterior, Sanford holds many secrets, and only Nicholas and his monkey can save the day. The second in Edgar Wright's Three Flavours Cornetto trilogy, Hot Fuzz is a love letter to the glory days of action cinema. It affirmed the right peg frost dream team by combining sizzling action sequences, elements of horror and laugh-out-loud humour. My name's Luke, and I'm with two blokes and a fuckload of cutlery. Westy? It's alright Andy, it's just bolognese! And Matt? Is it true that there's a point on a man's head where if you shoot it, it will blow up? All the right movies are ready to cook some fools. Hello and welcome to All The Right Movies, a podcast on classic and hit films full of proper action and shit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> We're up to our balls in jugglers this week as we go behind the scenes on Edgar Wright's action bonanza, Hot Fuzz. Mm-hmm. Do we? Oh, yes. Lovely. Before we get into it, it's that time again. We're talking about Patreon. Oh, it is. lovely. Brilliant. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that time every two weeks. Yeah. Our classic podcast, like the one you listen to now, is released every two weeks. And only the most recent 20 episodes are available. Yes. That's free for everybody. Very generous, I think. Yeah, of course it is. Mm. But if you're desperate to hear more from us, you can become an ATRM Patreon supporter and listen to our entire podcast archive, a vast well full of all ATRM secrets. Indeed it is, with a little Mm. bit of graffiti on there. Yeah, (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) There are 71 classic episodes like this one. I mean, that alone is a great proposition. Absolutely. Yeah, but there are also fifty-five podcasts that we've recorded exclusively for our patrons as well, with a brand new episode of our double feature Patreon show every month. Yeah, so mm-hmm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of podcasts from the ATRM gang. Yeah, and before you start asking, no, my name is not Mister P.I. Staker. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's a swan. <laughs> <laughs> So head over to patreon.com forward slash all the right movies to sign up and gain access immediately. Our discounts are criminal. Alternatively, you can get access to the whole classic podcast archive by subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Yes, yes which is very easy to do on there, isn't it? You just hit the it subscribe is. button. Just click one button and then easy you're in there. Just do it. It's for the greater good. Of course it is. The greater good. The greater good. The greater good. <laughs> We do love doing this, and we love the community that we've built up, and we thank everyone for listening to us. And if you can, we'd love it if you can support us, which really helps to keep us going. Yes, we really would appreciate that, guys. Yes, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Okay, back to the film. And this was my pick, so I want to talk about Hot Fuzz, because I've watched this film more than any other since it was released 17 years ago. Any other film? Any other film? film. Really? That is a fact. Wow. Definitely. Wow. I did not not expect that. This is going to be interesting today. Bring the noise. Yeah, it's off the (laughs) chain. (laughs) Every month, every week. I would say more than every month. Wow. Wow. You watch this as often as I watch The Shining then. (laughs) (laughs) I know which is more accessible. Yeah. It's The Shining. The Shining, obviously. (laughs) Do you watch it in black and white, though? Yeah, put this on my laptop. Yeah. Desaturated. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I think constant Sean's on ITV2 have certainly helped that because yeah. it's always repeated on that channel. Yeah. If you're listening in the UK, I'm sure that'll resonate. Yeah, uh-huh. it is, yeah. But when it first came out, I loved Shaun of the Dead, so I saw this at the cinema. And because I loved Shaun so much, this was initially a disappointment, slightly. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very funny, mm-hmm. but there was something lacking. Yeah. Mm. But like all of Edgar Wright's work, rewatches are a must, and on a hot fuzz, mm-hmm. they constantly reveal surprises in the dialogue, the performances, mm-hmm. references mm-hmm. to the genre. And I think it's a real treasure trove. I'm always rewarded with something new every time I watch it. Okay. I certainly think it's one of the funniest films I've ever seen, and I still laugh at it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm certain that this episode's going to be a blast. Yeah. 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 I mean, it already is. Yeah. yeah. A quote fest, I believe. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> And Matt, mm-hmm. how's the hand? Still a bit stiff. Still a bit stiff. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. Still a bit stiff. Yeah. Still a bit stiff. <laughs> not going to need that Santa again, tell you that much. Uh, too right. <laughs> well, obviously, I've not watched it as much as you have, Luke. No. Who has? Well, Edgar Wright probably. Edgar Wright probably hasn't. Um, but yeah, I think doing this film was inevitable. It's a film that I think everybody just took to as soon as it came out. And yeah. it felt very quickly that this got really absorbed into popular culture. Yeah, yeah One of those where if you're like, you're at a party, you're talking to someone, you you seen Hot Fuzz? Ah, and mm-hmm. you were away. You are in the conversation you're about away. Hot Fuzz. Yeah. And I remember going to see it and I was sat there thinking, ah, this has got a lot riding on it. Because I'd loved Shaun of the Dead. And I was sat yeah. thinking, is that going to be a fluke, though? Does this combination of guys, does it have anything else to offer? And I'll mention this a bit more later, but I think the fact that they ignored what was probably a very easy and probably quite a tempting offer to just do Shaun of the Dead too, the fact yeah. that they didn't do that is to their credit. And they produced something which, again, is very British, very provincial, but it does have this wider scope to it. And it's a film that is just so packed. It's packed full of everything that they can think of to get in here and it's a very easy watch it's one where you think that was probably as much fun to make as it is to watch Mm. is it a step down from sean does it have some issues i think i'd say probably yes to both of those but go into that as Mm -hmm. we go along i would agree but it's that cliche thing where if you turn the telly on to itv2 obviously and it's halfway through you're just (laughs) like ah go on then i'll I'll sit down i'll watch the rest of this i'm in yeah yeah definitely yeah and Westy, why do you want to talk about Hot Fuzz Fascist? Ooh, hag. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, like Mike Matt said, I've definitely not seen it as much as you. And I went to see it at the cinema because I, I adore Shaun of the Dead. We've yeah. talked about that. Yeah. This is the second outing for Edgar Wright on the podcast, yeah. and rightly so. A very, very talented filmmaker. And I don't know what it is with this film, but I do have issues with it. Mm, okay. And I really want to kind of discuss it and go through it because I know you guys really, really enjoy it. Mm. And I I enjoy it, but I think the reason that people love this film is the reason I kind of dislike it in certain areas. Okay, right. Which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be all belligerent and, you know, an arsehole about (laughs) it. Really? And just mourn mourn about it all (laughs) the way through. Why change the habits of a lifetime? (laughs) Exactly. No, right. Yeah, this just it just left us wanting a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was too familiar. I don't know if it's too British. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's too obvious. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm if I relate too much with the films that they're trying to parody here. Yeah. I don't know. It worked for Shaun of the Dead, but can lightning strike twice? Let's find out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. Mixed bag. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Hot Fuzz was directed by Edgar Wright, co-written by Wright and Simon Pegg, and produced by Nira Park, Tim Bevan, and Eric Fellner for Studio Canal and Workman Titles Films. Shot on location mainly in Wells and distributed by Universal Pictures on the 16th of February 2007. Mm-hmm. It stars Peg in the lead as Sergeant Nicholas Angel, Nick Frost as Constable Fanny Batterbomb. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Brilliant. <laughs> and the cream of British acting talent in the shape of yeah. Timothy Dalton, Jim Broadbent, Olivia Coleman, Paddy Considine, Rafe Spall, and many, many, many more. Stacked. Yes. Stacked. Mm, it is stacked. Stacked. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what are you thinking? Sanford, Gloucestershire? Fuck oh, yeah. yeah. We are the Village Green Preservation Society. God save the duck. We start off with a bang with a montage highlighting the skills of Sergeant Angel, then it all goes horribly wrong. Mm. I'm starting the conversation off by talking about the scene where he gets his marching orders from his superiors. Yeah. Yes. I think it's just a wonderful scene. Nicholas' arrest record is 400% higher than any other officer, so he's being shipped out to the country. Yeah. He's making everyone look bad. I think that's yeah. a great motivation. <laughs> yeah. Nah, he's really great. Yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're too good at your job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the upper pubs have decided that instead of training their coppers to be like Nicholas to his standards, it's much easier just to get rid of the problem. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. It mirrors what's happening in Sanford as well, making people disappear. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice little satire, I think, on certain sections of the UK population who may well be of the opinion that the Met Police are ineffectual and there's not enough presence on the streets, yep. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very of the moment all of a sudden, isn't it? It is, very mm-hmm. much. Three lovely little cameos here as well. Just dropped in and only seen again briefly at the end. Martin Freeman, Steve Coogan, Bill Nye, they're all leading actors in their own right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it just shows the ripple effect of Shaun of the Dead mm-hmm. and the quality of the material that they're working with here as well. Freeman's great. Isn't there any sergeant's positions in London? No. Can I remain here as a PC? No. Do I have any choice in this? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of the bit where it falls for me on that whole sequence. Really? No. I'm like, I don't know. It's just a bit much. It's I don't know. There's something about it where it's just a little bit too playful. Mm. And I have that cast of stars in there. Mm-hmm. It's almost like this is his snatch, isn't it? He's had like, yeah, I get, I get what you mean. And yeah. Everyone just wants to pile yeah, but on top of it. He's not getting in Brad Pitt. He's got yeah. Martin Freeman in yeah. and Bill Nye. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's like the cream of the crop from the British talent, isn't it? It's not yeah. that. It's not what he's looking for. But it's just everybody's interested. Is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, without like, doubt. Yeah, spotlight and there was a lot of pressure. Yeah, a new voice, very yeah. much. Yeah. I think it's very swift storytelling at the start. We learn all about Nicholas's professional rise in the police, his lack of skills in personal relationships, and mm-hmm. that he's been moved out of Sanford and his journey down to Sanford, all in there in eight minutes. We don't need any more backstory for yeah. Nicholas now. Completely understand what kind of person he is. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. a great gag to finish it off. Nicholas thinks he's got the backing of his colleagues, but they're already throwing a goodbye party for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's that kind of guy that you work with that everybody's just desperate to see the back of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant shot as well. That's so well composed. You can take to see everybody. Yeah, yeah, and it just yeah. comes back over. And one party great. popper. Yeah. yeah, just one. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Everybody signed that card really quickly, I bet. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm going on a similar theme to what you've said there, Luke, about how the success of Shaun of the Dead got people in, because I'm coming off the back of this scene, which is when he goes to see Janine, who he's just broken up with. And it's not enough that not only could get Peter Jackson in, to do the cameo of Santa, Santa in that Claus, yeah. montage. You've got Kate Blanchett here, one of the world's great the actresses. greatest actresses. Yeah. <laughs> Just doing two two or three minutes as Janine, Angel's girlfriend, yeah. with the mask on. And I'll be honest, mm-hmm. I didn't recognise her first time around. 
And if you've got Kate Blanchett in your film yeah. and you're the director, you kind of just do a mask drop just at the end to show everybody, just to show off, <laughs> yeah. don't you? But he doesn't do it. I think that's really restrained. Yeah, it very, is. Very, very good. Very much. Yeah. And I think part of the reason I probably didn't get it is like, all due respect, like to Simon Peck, but he's punching above his weight there, let's be honest. Oh, in right. well, <laughs> absolutely. Not a couple you'd put yeah. together. Um, although Peck <laughs> did say that acting with Blanchett was like reverse molestation. <laughs> an odd, odd way to describe it I would say very much I, yeah, I, very I think much. of a better way to describe it very yeah. much enjoyable <laughs> yeah, exactly. but it is a very funny scene though I love all the stuff when Angel is trying to work out who Janine is because they're all masked up and I love the difference yeah, that's good. between Bob hello there and then Dave <laughs> yeah, hello great. there <laughs> yeah. I really love that does Bob look like the kind of person I'd go out with and he saw Chris fall and Bob in the background but you think but yeah. everyone looks the same like, like yeah. there's no difference to these people. That's great. Yeah. And then that trip from London to Sanford, I just think that's quintessential Edgar Rice, like those cuts, the way he transitions from day to night to Angel on the bench, and then he's falling asleep on the bench, then he's on the tube, on the train, in the taxi, into Sanford. Like if someone said, well, give me an example of what Edgar Wright is about as a filmmaker, that's probably one of the scenes I think of because it's so sharply cut together in just exposition. It's just done in yeah. like 15 seconds or something. Flashly done as well. Yeah, yeah, really flashy. With the edits. And then I really like Billy Whitelaw in the same way, checks in the hotel because again... She's unbelievable. She's great. Again, just so little to do, but makes the most of it. And it's just very quintessential write and Peggy because it's the writing. It's the play on word stuff that they love, setting up punchlines for like 90 minutes later, you know, fascist. Hag. Fascism. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, this opening, you, you know whose hands you're in with this opening. Yeah, yeah, that, that fascist. But it's like she doesn't even break. No. I trust you had a pleasant trip. Yeah. Fascist. Yeah. <laughs> Hag. I beg your pardon. Yeah. Voda. You've always been here. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. What? <laughs> And I'll go from the moment he arrives at the hotel and he realises that he's just sat alone and he mm. needs to check out a little bit more of the town. So into the pub and we're kind of introduced to more characters in a very much an Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg way where we meet Danny's. It's in the background. Pint lager, please. Mm-hmm. Disappears. Yeah. <laughs> Pint lager, please. Pint lager, please, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> but one I want to talk about specifically in this sequence is the sound design. Mm. and how overly elaborate this all is mm. for yeah. what it is mm-hmm. and there's that brooding kind of build of this bass where it's like and he's just looking and seeing the kids it's like <laughs> we've been to, must have been like if you go to the Yorkshire Dales or if you go to the Lake District or if you go to somewhere it's a little bit quieter mm-hmm. like a town like this there's always underage kids in there because that's their excuses. Like, well, keep them in here because they're going to get into trouble out there. Yeah. And I was one of them. You know what I mean? So it just kind of hit home and made sense. So for him to come and clear the pub out and get rid of, like, paying people and pissing people off immediately. Another cranberry juice. Yeah. yeah. Some of the best lines in this, and this is where I actually, when I was watching it, I remember laughing out loud when it's like, when's your birthday? 22nd of February. What year? Every year. Yeah. yeah. I fucking Hockey love that. Like, like, get out. Yeah. That's just really funny. But then he goes to the next one. He goes, you're 37. <laughs> yeah? Get out. Get out. <laughs> and then the last one, when's your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> and I just think it's really good. Just like when he brings the badge up and this is, this is yeah. all these whooshes yeah. and all this kind of content. And it's just packed for a scene that doesn't need to be so packed and so fast and so heavily cut. I think that's my problem with the film going all the way through. I want it just to take a breath. 
Right. I want it just to calm down mm. a little bit. It's never going to do it's that. Never it's gonna never going to do, do that. that. No. If you're into it mm. and this fast pace and the way it moves, mm. great. But it kind of just puts me on edge a little bit. And I kind of, it's so fast that I get bored with it. Okay. And that I can't, I can't find time to engage. Mm. We'll get into it as we go. I'm not okay. going to do it on the first scene <laughs> that I'm talking about. But, um, torpedo the whole film in the first 10 I'm minutes. I'm going to torpedo the whole thing right now. I've got that, like, I've literally, I've got five pages of notes here, and it's on page three that I'll get into it. So, okay. yeah, okay. look at this scene. It's really funny. It's Halfway really great. Through. That joke, you know, with it. Yeah, what year, every year. Fantastic. Yeah. Lovely stuff. Let's continue. <laughs> Frost acting pissed is quite a joy, though. Yeah. It's always great. He's doing a better zombie impression here than he did in Sean. <laughs> You're not going to drive that, you? New. <laughs> There's a great outtake from the moment when um, they find the ginger-haired kid urinating in the streets. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He turns around to them in, and in character Frost says, oh, collars match the cuffs. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Wonderful. It's a little smile Danny gives though when that kid does turn around. Like, yeah, like, yeah. he's like so amused by the fact he's having a piss in the street. He's just <laughs> <laughs> he does that a few times where he, he has does. a little giggle to himself. Yeah, he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I just want to mention there's a scene after this where Angel is pouring over the paperwork, and that's executed in the style of Tony Scott. And Wright included this because he'd done the research with actual police officers and, and they had said, well, that's one element of the job that takes up so much time, but you never see it happen in action films. Yeah. Yeah, Nicholas even alludes to it when they've just watched Point Break. He says there's no way you could perpetrate that amount of carnage and mayhem and not incur a considerable amount of paperwork. Yeah. And you never see it in those films. No, you never do. And that sequence is scored by a song called Here Come the Fuzz by the John Spencer Blues Explosion. It's Edgar Wright's favourite band. Yes. yes. Aye. Because they're in Baby Drive as well, aren't they? In Baby Drive, yeah. Yeah. Probably the only person who has John Spencer Blues Explosion as their favourite band. Yes. Probably. That makes, <laughs> yeah. to be fair, it makes perfect sense. It does. <laughs> what a setup then. Plot and characters established immediately. Incredible stuff. Unless mm-hmm. you're Westy. Yes. <laughs> with Nicholas established in Sanford, he meets his new colleagues on his first day on the job and gets acquainted with the locals. Bored on the beat, he swings by his local convenience store and things start to heat up. And I'm picking up here with Danny and Nicholas in Summerfield. Very nice. Mm. Nicholas is checking out the low-fat Greek yogurt while Danny's drooling over the DVD bargain bin. Yeah. (laughs) Silent Rage. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Silent Rage. Super cop can't be stopped. Yeah, 6.99 as well, bargain. Yeah, I know. <laughs> when his campers off to follow Nicholas, he throws the DVD back and it lands on a copy of Shaun of Shaun the Dead. The Dead. Yeah, yeah, but the yeah. title for the film is Zombies Party. Yeah, which was really? the Spanish and Portuguese title translated title for Shaun. Yeah. Oh right, okay, right. And Nicholas has called in for another delicious encounter with Simon Skinner. I love that he takes great pleasure out of the Sergeant Angle bit. Everybody yeah. finds that absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Warren yeah. Angle. The initial interaction between Skinner and Angel was shot over a two-day period. The first day covered the conversation from Simon Skinner's perspective. Mm. Dalton wasn't expected on set the next day, but showed up to sit off camera so Peg could work off him, which is great. Peg loved that oh. scene. He was a true professional. Of course yeah, he is. Class. Yeah, what yeah. more would you expect from Dalton? Exactly. Yeah. And then this moment with Nicholas in hot pursuit. I mean, it's a comedy and there are comic beats all over this sequence alone. Mm. New Mothers being a yeah. personal favourite. You mothers. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but it plays like a bloody good action chase scene. It's yeah, like yeah. Point Break. 
mm-hmm. right? With the camera right in the faces of Nicholas and the perpetrator, like like the pogo cam in the foot chase on Point Break. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that alleyway that the run down, the angel runs down. That's mm-hmm. the one that Ed Greig used to take to get to school. And even more momentous than that, it's also where he had his first kiss back in the day. Oh, nice. Tits. <laughs> Cocks. Cock. <laughs> There's been a number of suggestions that the number nine is relevant throughout the film. The code for the weapons room is 999, obviously, yeah. because that's the emergency number in the UK. There's nothing yeah. strange there. It's a mm-hmm. nice sight gag. Uh-huh. But it takes on extra relevance when you notice that the hoodies are graffiti and the number all over town as well, like mm-hmm. the fountain outside the pub. Yeah, yeah. Or the wall when, in this scene, Nicholas is chasing Auntie Jackie's sister's brother's boy. (laughs) Couldn't see his face, could I? I'm not made of eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And the suggestion here is that this is the the hoodie's way of covertly appealing for help without getting bumped off by the NWA. Is Danny's cousin in on this covert op? Because he's only stolen a packet of biscuits to draw Angel's attention. I mean, it's a pretty strange thing to be stealing. And he later gets killed and dumped below the streets. Is that the reason for that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's, it's something a little bit deeper going on under the surface, and that, that isn't really explained. Mm. Yeah. The bit that I want to talk about is one of my very favourite bits, where mm. Frank Budderman gets Nicholas and Danny to go on behalf of the police department to go see the local Amdram production of Romeo and Juliet. Beautiful. <laughs> love like, if, me, love oh, me. Oh, God. <laughs> That, that's the thing, like, if you come from any kind of provincial village like that yeah. and you've seen Amdram or you've seen yeah. it at school, this yeah. version of Romeo and Juliet hits so perfectly. It it's so recognisable. Martin Blower is far too old to be playing Romeo. He's a guy who must be <laughs> cracking on late 40s, surely, and oh, he's geez. trying to be, like, Easy. the young teenage Romeo. Yeah. And Eve is as terrible as Juliet. I mean, the whole thing is so bad. Martin literally has to nudge Eve and go, now. To give yeah, the cue great. to sit That's up. Great. <laughs> it's yeah. really funny. But you know what? He gives her that cue and then you wish that he didn't because she's so bad. I'll kiss thy lips. Some poison <laughs> dog, you hang on him. Like, just so bad. But the whole thing is so pretentious the way it ends. Bang. And then. Love me, love me. Like. Romeo and Juliet is one of the great literary <laughs> tragedies and they end it like this. This yeah. ridiculous song the and cardigans. dance number. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone doing the can can or something. Yeah. But um I love the debrief you get afterwards in the pub as well. Like oh. what's he gonna talk about Dalton? But he's great. He's not even hiding yeah. the fact he's the villain. Yeah. Like, like yeah, when he's no. talking to Eve, I'm sure if he bashed your head in, all sorts of secrets would come tumbling out. <laughs> right in her face. Right in her face. Right in her face. He's so good. <laughs> the guy goes over and he's like, Romeo, Romeo, pint of bitter for Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so pretentious, isn't he? He's so yeah, pretentious. It's great. And then you also get this like great moment where you think Danny's proved himself useful. He says to Angel, I also know, you know, Eve Draper's into the older gentleman. Marcus Carter's big brother said he'd fingered up the duck pond. (laughs) (laughs) Great spit take, isn't it? That's a great spit take from Peg. So, yeah, it's really funny. But I think it's also really important because this is when you get that first plot element where you've not been sure where this is going. Is this just going to be a fish out of water? No, because now you get the first murders of Martin and Eve and it's a perfect place because you just need that little twist of the plot at this point. Yes. I see you're talking about that spit gag there. Mm. And this whole sequence, it's where it moves away from the action film for me. And I think Edgar mm. Wright is really paying homage to like American Werewolf here. And oh, he did yeah. in the in yeah. the pub sequence mm-hmm. with the yeah. kids there. And he's just like kind of fish out of war. And that spit gang, Rick Mail does the same kind of thing. 
Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Similar, does, yeah. similar vibe to it. So I think it's getting a lot from American Werewolf in here as well. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. I love Skinner's review of Romeo and Juliet where he slams his hand on <laughs> yeah. his back and he's an absolute tosh, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you that will grin. spell his name right this time, won't yeah. you? <laughs> Talked about Tim Messenger. I love his outrageous suggestions to Nicholas, <laughs> who angrily rejects them. And Tim's kind of positive outlook yeah, before yeah. in a scene before. How about you put the teacher in handcuffs? I don't think that sends the right <laughs> message. Too cheesy pie, got you. <laughs> Too cheesy pie, yeah. <laughs> Cop enjoys watching young lovers, I don't think so. Local Bobby gives thumbs up to teen suicide, that's just grossly inappropriate. <laughs> And I'll go for the aftermath of all this, which gets really gruesome. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah, it's it just love that bit when they're walking away and he's like, drive safe. Do you know that was the guy who stopped by speeding? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, 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 I didn't know that. But I'm going for the, the scene of the accident where it's all covered up. And it's just classic, isn't it? It's like, you've, you either love it or hate it. When he wakes up in bed and he's like, decaffeinated. Yeah. Now that, as a joke, is funny, but it's really risky. Because that, <laughs> that shouldn't really work. And I think that's the whole point of the film is that they're making it for themselves. I don't think they're making this for mm. a particular audience. Kind of like they did with Sean, really. But this bit, when Dalton shows up, oh, fuck me. <laughs> that is so... There was never a story with more woe than Juliet and her Romeo. And Dire Straits is playing <laughs> on, the on there. Side. It's yeah. so fucking funny. Love <laughs> <laughs> struck Romeo. <laughs> it's just there. It. And it's just absolutely brilliant and then you get the introduction as well to the other members of the force that are there it's like I've had me top off in this nearby before tits <laughs> <laughs> it's Doris's laugh Doris's <laughs> yeah. and it's the start of the whole what he said exposition which goes on and yeah. on and then pays off at the end when we'll talk yeah, about the great. shootout yeah. which is brilliant and the traffic collision exposition that starts here and then it's really heartfelt when Danny's talking to him, Nicholas mm-hmm. in the pub later on yeah, so we'll find out what happened yeah. to his mum and he actually says traffic mm-hmm. collision Mm-hmm. It's it's that's really heartfelt. Yeah, mm-hmm, it's it is. brilliant. But this moment is just fantastic. You find out that Angel's bang on the money. He knows what's happening. But it's just the way Dalton turns that screw and just makes oh, it. Just, it? It's sinister <laughs> and weird. And there's heads on the ground. And he yeah. turns up and Skinner on his license plate in a Jaguar. Yeah. And just you know, news travels fast. And that little wake and then just minces off. What a dick! It's just a fantastic piece of work. Even if he if he was in this film just for that bit, yeah, I would still be talking about it because yeah. it's just it's just a wonderful performance and really he's, he's loving it so a great opening act and i'm sure that everyone will get their just desserts <laughs> i'll make sure <laughs> the director edgar wright at the helm as director following up on the runaway success of shawn of the dead mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. westy what do you think of his work here as director i mean it's edgar wright isn't it so it's mm. a very recognizable style it's very mm broad strokes it's very much what he wants to say i don't know if i agree with the style i don't know if it's up my street at all i prefer you know slow burners as you know of course <laughs> 47 shots per film exactly bellatar <laughs> anytime but it's just that it's that pace to it it's very music video for me and it's styling and it's it pace mm-hmm. and it's editing and it doesn't really let up but that does lend itself to the action genre well, of course it does. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. I think but it's, there's the same amount of edits in Shaun of the Dead, but I cannot pick fault with Shaun of the Dead at all. Mm. I don't know. I think this is slightly overconfident in a direction point of view. Okay. I think he thinks mm. every single thing he puts on the screen is going to work. 
and it comes mm. across slightly pretentious? Does it sacrifice the emotion for what they think is cool or funny? And yeah. I think it kind of does. Everything's just played very, very lightly and very nice and stick it on and A, but does that make it meaningful? Does that something you're going to come back to or is it something you're just going to stick on mm. and mm-hmm. be familiar with? There is room for that in cinema. Of course there is. But when you're making your second film and you've got such a spotlight on you, is that the right thing to do? Should he have gone and pushed a little bit harder? Is he an emotional director or am I just looking for something that isn't there? Mm. So there's the. I think that's the theme I get from his direction. It's, it's very, very confident. It's very self-assured. Mm. And in my mind when I'm watching it, I just think it's slightly, slightly too pretentious in that fact. And the problem with his direction, and I'll talk about with the editing as well, is you can see the technique. It takes us out the film. When a camera moves, you can see a camera moving. When mm. it's cuts, that you can see cuts, you can see edits, you can see the pace, and it kind of mm. takes me out a little bit. So I think the technique overrides the emotion, and for me, that's always a no-go. So Edgar Wright's direction is being consistent, always being the same. I don't know if I like the style of it. That's okay. just my view, really. Yeah, yeah I think you, I think I remember you throwing a, a slight amount of shade on Edgar Wright as director on Shaun of the Dead as well. Yeah, I mean, it's not shade. It's just it's it, it's a wonderful thing that he's got, and I really appreciate the the craft that he has. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't connect with you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's there, it. and and he's consistent with it, and I I respect that he's consistent with it. But I yeah. don't know if it, it it just doesn't click with me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just going to pick up what Wesley's saying there about the edits because, yeah, it's very classic Edgar Wright to have so many edits. And there's, you ready for this, Wesley? There's 5,500 edits in it. Too many. That that, that was used to create this fast-paced style. God nerded at Chris Dickens. Now, Chris Dickens, I feel so sorry for that. He's not having it. He's just 5,500 edits. Oh, come on. It's like just under two hours as well. Nearly 46 edits. Per minute. 46 cuts a minute. Bloody hell. So maybe like one every one and a half seconds. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. Well, what I think you're always guaranteed with, with Edgar Wright is minute attention to detail. I said at the start that you only get really rewarded in this film with repeat viewings, and it's the detail that keeps me coming back time and again. I mean, we'll never touch the surface here, but the number of setups and payoffs throughout the film is just countless. The hag fascist bit in the hotel at the start, yep. that's repeated in the shootout at the end. Mm-hmm. There's that moment when they're on the beat and Nicholas asks why Mr. Treacher is wearing an extra layer when they're in the car. Maybe yeah. he's hiding something. Yeah. Then he's wearing the same getup and pulls out his rifle at the end. Yeah. Yeah. One of the Andy says to Nicholas in the pub, I bet you can't wait to jump into Sergeant Popwell's grave. Yeah. yeah. That's what the town want to happen, and that's literally what happens literally, at yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Only one school child allowed at any time, and yeah. bunch yeah. of them run in, and that's how yeah. it's a downfall. Yeah, there's yeah. there's so many. Every scene's got one. Every, yeah. I mean, every yeah. scene's every got scene. a setup and a payoff yeah. from something that came before. Yeah, even the names of the townspeople indicate who they are. Simon Skinner, mm-hmm. he's the killer. Yeah. George Merchant, the businessman. Tim Messenger, a journalist. Robin Hatcher is a doctor, which yeah. is, I think that is very funny, that one. <laughs> <laughs> that one. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that, that even comes up twice. Yeah, yeah. doctor, do, yeah, yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> and every single character in the village have, like, old British work and surnames. Tiller, Blower, Draper, Wainwright, Cartwright, Cooper, Thatcher, Fisher, Hatcher. Mm-hmm. And the only exceptions are Angel and Popwell, who were both outsiders. Uh-huh. 
Love it. And then you've got the swear box, which has got the loveliest detail. Oh, that's great. <laughs> All yeah, the swear words are asterisks to stop any offence apart from the C-bomb, which is written down in full. Yeah. Ah, I love that <laughs> that's so brilliant. much. Yeah, that's Two pound. Yeah. Two pound for a C-bomb. Matt, you'd be broke. I'd be skinned. You'd be skinned. I'd be skinned. <laughs> you would be skinned. You'd have to write a cheque. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's having a massive you. night out on my, uh, on my dime. <laughs> fucking standing order. Yeah. <laughs> Monthly payment. Just <laughs> direct debit. And I like that all the proceeds from the swear box go to the restoration of the church roof. Yeah. And we see how much work that needs when Tim Messenger gets killed. Yeah. Yeah. And in the background near the end, there's a poster visible of Romeo and Juliet looking for a replacement of the two yeah. leads. Very swift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and a headline in the newspaper, which is the greatest kind of and, and if you're not from the UK, we make a habit of our tabloid newspapers being pun related the headlines. Mm, yeah, horrible. Yeah. This one, a fate worse than death, is one to fate <laughs> as in F E T. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Church fate. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> and not how behind the times the village folk are, and Frank in particular, is the helmet she's wearing at the end, which have a, a VR on it for Queen mm. Victoria, whose reign ended in nineteen oh one. great really behind the times he's got muskets in that scene as well (laughs) in the shop scene as well when Danny's asked no sign of them killers then behind Nicholas is a poster for the album Hot Fuss by the killers yeah yeah Uh, ah yeah yeah yeah. all of that going on and that's got nothing to do with the fact that it's I think it's a pretty amazing whodunit yeah yeah Yeah. the central mystery is really good yeah Mm -hmm, it is well what's impressive to me about Wright's directors is that he's two films into his career, you know, kind of ignore the self-funded kind of low-budget debut he did put together, but he already does have a very identifiable style. That editing, the way he transitions between scenes, the way he will have a character move and he cuts on the movement and in the next scene a different character is carrying on that move. So like when George Merchant gets clubbed over the head and collapses yeah, that cut falls down, yeah. to Angel sitting down on Danny's couch. So it's yeah. really distinctive and it gives Hot Fuzz such a sense of energy and he does have this very personal stamp on it. But I do have an issue with it and it's one of the central approaches he brings which is that the film ultimately ends up being, well, what if Michael Beer directed an episode of something like Midsummer Murders? And, <laughs> and to me, that's just too easy to rip off Michael Beer's style. Who wants to? Well, exactly who wants yeah, to. Michael Bay as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, you know, Michael Bay is quite shit. You know, maybe two or three films that are watchable and that's it. Yeah. It doesn't what? take much to copy him. <laughs> oh, I'm going to said it was a hard take. My God. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's a very personal thing, but I don't, I just don't think putting Michael Bay's style in this setting is that funny to me. I'm going to basically copy what Wesley said. I think Ed Wright is better than that. I think he's short yeah. on Strong of the Dead. He's better than that kind of gag. Like, because we've talked about the Cornetto trilogy in general on the Sean episode. Yeah. And I know you two have issues with The World's End. But what I would say is that look at the action sequences in that. And they are Ed Wright action sequences. Yeah. Baby mm-hmm. Driver has Ed Wright yeah. action sequences. Yeah, yeah, agree. This is Ed Wright playing it being someone else. Yeah. And I'm not that impressed with that. And if you look at Sean of the Dead, he went. I'm going to take George Romero's vision and I'm going to channel that through this British perspective in a British vision that subverts it, mm. but it honours it at the same time. And that's much harder to do. And that was much more impressive because yeah. Romero's mm. a great filmmaker. Michael Bay isn't. Yes. So I know it sounds like I'm being like really critical of him. And, and I'm not really like, it's clearly excellently directed because it's so sharp. It looks mm-hmm. great. It moves like a bullet. There's not one scene that doesn't have something going on. But I always feel with this, the first two thirds, that's Ned Wright film, and that's where the real gold is for me in this yeah, film. Yeah, right, right. That last third 
it's a bit like what I said on Tarantino on the last episode on Inglorious Bastards or PTA when we did Boogie Nights. It's a bit mm-hmm. juvenile. And if I criticise them for that, I've got to criticise Wright for it as well. Like, part of the issue is, Shaun the Dead just set that bar so high for him. It, yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. the problem. Yeah. I do think that it is imbalanced. Yeah, it is. There's it's like that the bit of third. imbalance. And for yeah. the most part, yeah, he gets that bar again. But when he doesn't, it's just notable. And it does feel mm-hmm. disappoint when it doesn't get there. There's so much more emotional depth to Shaun of the Dead as well. There is. Yeah, so ultimately, and it does sound like I've kind of piled in on him. But it's not that. It's just I expect so much of him after Shaun of the Dead. And yeah. for the most part, he, he does brilliantly here. But when he doesn't, it's just really notable. Yeah, yeah. Same. You don't have to pile on him. I'll do that. No, no. <laughs> Wes has got that covered. I've got that covered. Don't worry about. Yeah, no. I'd, I'd take your points, both of you, and I do agree with you. Even though the final third is a lot of fun. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it is a bit of a letdown considering what went before it in the first two yeah. thirds. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll get in a balloon or something in the final third. Yes, for me. yes. And to build on that point about his style, we've got our first question from an ATRM patron. All right. Okay. That's another benefit. If you sign up, you can put us under the microscope and ask us a question for the film. Okay. This one comes from Danan Hennessy. Hello, Danan. Hello, Danan. Hello, Danan. Well, I think contrary to the opinion here, Danan likes Edgar Wright's visual style. He says mm-hmm. it's pretty distinctive. Well, it it's is. certainly distinctive. It is. It's pretty distinctive. Yeah. yeah. He says the only other director I think that can utilise camera movement to the same degree he does is Sam Raimi and Robert Rodriguez. Oh, nice. Are there any Mm. other directors who are this playful with their camera direction? Um, I'll take this first. I think that Danan is right. You know, I think it comes down to whether you just, whether you buy into it or not, whether it ticks your boxes Mm -hmm. or not. Yeah. Mm I think his transitions, though, Wright's transitions are great. He loves a match cut, like you said, Matt. Yeah. yeah. Like the one at the end of Angel's first night in town, he's doing his hand exercises. Yeah. yeah the old yeah. Uh, wrist extender. Yeah. And then a match cut to the next day, an empty bed, King's playing. Great moment. Yeah. yeah. I like those. Yeah. And I think that's identifiable visual style. I think Tarantino is an obvious one. Mm-hmm. I think the Coen's the same. Not necessarily in the same style, but kind of a similar inventive approach to filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to throw in an unusual one here. Hmm. In keeping with what we're talking about, I'm going to talk about Shane Black and specifically Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Wow, okay. okay. Nice. I think visually it is very similar, very inventive, playful, makes the runtime zip along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And certainly he's someone that influenced right in this film alone with the action references. Yep. Yeah. Well, I am going to talk about the Corn Brothers, actually. Sure. Just because they're the first that came to mind, because I think they kind of get overlooked in terms of what they do with the camera, because they do Agreed. some really clever stuff. So, for example, in Blood Simple, you get that tracking shot of the camera moving along the bar, and then it goes up and over the drunk line on the bar, and then back down again, stuff like that. It's Sonnenfeld, isn't it? The early Sonnenfeld, Sonnenfeld. uh, early Mm -hmm. DP for them, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The camera in the ball and ball in Big Lebowski. Um, I was thinking that. The other one I wanted to mention is when Nick Cage runs that convenience store in Racing Arizona, and he goes on the run. The way that camera follows him, flies, yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff. So yeah, the the corns I think do some really interesting stuff with their camera movements. I mean, this is right up my street, isn't it? Camera moves. You want to know about camera moves? (laughs) We'll take a break. I'm your fucking boy. (laughs) This is all of page two, half page three. Um, The ones that have really stood out for me, because he's talking about, you know, moving the camera and having that as kind of a character in the film, 
is when it's moved, but you, you are moved by it. It is part of what you're watching, which I think Edgar Wright's got a very distinctive style, but I don't think it's a lot about the camera movement. I think it's a lot about the editing and the pace. Yeah. So people mm-hmm. who move the camera for me where you don't necessarily know it's moving is someone like Paul Greengrass. I think he does that incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Very good. Where the yeah. car- it's, it's almost a character in itself. Yeah. Bellatar, we've touched on that, but his films are absolutely fucking incredible. He's only got 47 shots and three hours to do it. So that camera's <laughs> got to go places. And it does, but you kind of don't really realise it, how really technical it is but you don't see the technique which i love and i would hate to see it but you've got to see it because michael bay does move that camera (laughs) more than anyone else and it makes sense and he has whether you like it or not he's made a massive impact on the action genre yeah he has and he he pushed it up and made people who didn't really want to think about anything go in and enjoy something for a couple of hours and he has his place in cinema and he has his place in history i wish edgar wright had seen that and refined it instead of copying mm, it in this film. Yes. For me, all of them directors, if there's some that you're not aware of, they know how to move the camera and they know how to make you immersed into that film, for me personally. Brilliant. Including Michael Bay, which I am, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly stunned that Michael Bay has been referenced twice any more than passing as opposed <laughs> yeah. to 10 times. Yeah. And I'll say this, and I don't want to retort from you, Westy. Okay. This film is better than anything Michael Bay has ever done. Okay. There, done. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, okay. I don't think it's better than Bad Boys 2. <laughs> you ain't seen Bad, Bad Boys 2. <laughs> well, thank you very much for the question, Danan. A great one. Got us talking. Keep them coming. Yes. Yes, thank you. Thanks, Danan. That was a really good yes. one. A Hot Fuzz is set in the fictional town of Sanford, which is actually set in Wells, Somerset, yeah. Edgar Wright's hometown. Yeah. Wright loved shooting in the town that he grew up in, but he also wanted to, in his words, trash it. Yeah, yeah, you would do, wouldn't you? And Wright actually worked as a shelf stacker at that particular branch of Summerfield as a kid. Oh, really? As a worker in a supermarket. And he loosely based Simon Skinner on his boss, Mike Stockwell. (laughs) They didn't use the surname Stockwell because it sounded too much like an obvious pun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Right. Yes, yes, it does. (laughs) I would have expected it, to be fair, in this film. (laughs) Surprised he didn't. That's too far, is it? That's the only, <laughs> that one's too far. That's too far. Fuck off. Every Michael Bay reference, yeah, get it get in, that there. in there. 3,047 cuts of someone going through a window. Stop, well, that's too obvious. <laughs> yeah, and, and Wright actually has two cameos in the film. He's a voice on the supermarket intercom, and you do see him as a shelf stacker, just very quickly in the background at one point. And then before deciding on the actual supermarket chain, Summerfields, which, if you're not in the UK, it is a genuine company yes, uh, the plan is, was yeah. to call it summer isles which is obviously a wicker man reference oh lovely yeah, yeah. 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 In there as well yes yes yeah yeah a wonderful full circle and wright did make an amateur film in his youth called dead right mm. which he described as lethal weapon in somerset need to see that yeah uh, the somerset supermarket made an appearance in that film as well yeah yeah well peg said we're both from the west country so mm-hmm. it just seemed like it was perfect and logical thing to drag those kind of ideas and those genres and those cliches back to where we grew up mm-hmm. And there is a cathedral in Wells, and they had to digitally remove that for some shots of the film, because obviously Sanford is a village, and in the UK, cities have cathedrals, but towns and villages do not, so they needed to digitally erase it, and, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just a general rule, but there are other criteria, apparently. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of red tape, isn't there? (laughs) Too much. Towns and cities and villages. Yeah. Yeah. Peg disagrees that it's a spoof of action films. He said, it's an action film. It just happens to be funny as well. I think because the genre in itself is very overblown, it doesn't take that much to push it into the comic realm. 
Yeah. Which is fair yeah. enough. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, okay. I think it's very much like this is Spinal Tap in that it's obviously having fun with the genre, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's not spiteful no. or thinks that it's better than no, these it's got affection films. for I think it, definitely. Yeah. A, l- a huge amount of affection for the genre. That does happen with action films as they have sequels, though. Mm. Mm. There's more and more, especially Lethal Weapon, there's more yeah. and more lighthearted. It, more it just gets yeah. more yeah, comic. Yeah, Die yeah, Hard, it gets right. a little bit more lighthearted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it does, it does yeah. happen. I've got a great quote from Edgar Wright here. He said, some interviewer once asked me, do you steal all your montages from Snatch? <laughs> and he said, "No, I stole them from Martin Scorsese, like Guy Ritchie did." Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> so, right, making a worthy action film mm-hmm. to add to the action genre canon. Definitely not perfect by any stretch, no. but a worthy follow-up to Shaun of the Dead. Yes. Yeah. New. The cast. A huge cast of notable actors and actresses on show in Hot Fuzz. We'll be talking about some of the secondary cast later on, mm-hmm. but for now, it's the Peg Frost Dream Team. Yes. yes. Matt, are you talking about Crockett or Tubby? <laughs> or the monkey. Sergeant Constable Batterbum. Nicholas Arsewipe. Nicholas Nicholas Arsewipe. I am. I'm going to talk about Simon Pegg, and it's going to be a bit similar to what I said about him on Shaun of the Dead, I think, which is mm. that because he's co-writer, he obviously knows what material he can give himself. He knows how far yes. he can push himself as an actor. So everything is very comfortable for him here. And I think because he's comfortable, everyone is comfortable around him and we're comfortable watching him. And there's a, a good amount of distance he's given himself here as writer because I don't think you could see an Angel by any stretch of the imagination has the funniest lines or the funniest moments in the film. I nope. think they're, they're all given to Nick Frost or to Timothy Definitely. Dalton or mm-hmm. Olivia Coleman. Yeah, he sets a lot up. He sets, he sets it up a for lot them. Up. He does, yeah. 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 I mean, he's playing the straight man, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and, he the, is. and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. Like, as a writer, he's put the story in the character Agreed. first yeah. rather than going, oh, that's a good line. I'm going to... Like, I give, want, to give, I want that. that line. I want yeah. that line. It's like what we said that. about Hoffman as well on the double feature episode. Yeah. It's just very much ego out the window. Yeah, selfless. Yeah, yeah. very much yes. so, yeah. Yeah, very much so. And I think he does do that straight man role very effectively. He does the uptight, by the book, stern, disciplinarian really well. I do love that same way. He doesn't give a single shit that he's cleared the pub of all the customers because he's just done the right thing. And he's very happy to sit there in this uncomfortable silence with one cranberry juice all night. like Reading their paper. Reading their paper. They've probably made a profit of a quid from him. And that's about it. And that's who he is. And Peg's really good at that. He is very convincing as well as the smartest person in this film. And I think that's a nice contrast to what he did in Sean, where our Sean, he kind of just bumbles through that film a little bit and he's making it up as he goes along and he gets as many things wrong as he gets things right. And I like the contrast that he brings here and I think his performance, just in general, it contrasts really well to how, like, ridiculous everyone else is in that police station. Like, when he's being shown around and you can't understand, sir, why is everyone eating chocolate cake? And then they give him that slice and he just goes, no thanks. That's great. Chocolate (laughs) cake. Just really unimpressed. And yeah, and then the eventual transformation that Angel goes through, I think he sells that as well, you know, slowly realising there's more life than his job, that growing affection he has for Danny. So by Mm -hmm. the end, when he's romping around the place like an action hero, you buy it, you know? I mean, it's a joke. It's a joke in itself that someone is straight-laced and unlikely as Simon Pegg as an action hero, but it's a joke that works. So yeah, I think it's another very good performance from him. 
Yeah, I think he pulls that action star off. I mean, looking mm-hmm. at him, you wouldn't believe for no, a moment that yeah. Simon Pig, yeah. the fellow from Space, yeah, I wouldn't exactly. have thought so. Yeah, <laughs> but physically, I think he pulls it off. Mm-hmm. Not only the look on Westy's face tells a completely different <laughs> story. <laughs> Just raising eyebrows left, right, and centre. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fine. Yeah, fine. 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 <laughs> and the character of Nicholas Angel is named after Nick Angel, who's the music supervisor for Hot Fuzz, and he did actually all the Cornetto trilogy. And the misspelling oh. in the film of Angel to Angle throughout, that's based on the fact that this had happened to the real Angel many times in the past. Nice. Right. Of yeah. Morning Angle. Yeah, Morning Angle. Peg prepared for his role by doing weapons training, amazingly, and learned how to skid on the bike, which looks fucking great because you don't expect that gags coming straight from the driving, straight into the bicycle stuff. That face as well. Really funny, that massive (laughs) close-up. And he lost 28 pounds as well doing the role. That's a lot. Did he have that much to lose? It doesn't look like an insurance. Fairly trim bloke anyway, isn't he? He's in good nick. He's in good nick for it. And to capture Angel's passion for policing, Peg doesn't smile in the film for the first 45 minutes. Yeah. He said that he's the perfect policeman, he just doesn't know how to switch off. I think that's reinforced a lot throughout the film. Yeah. So Simon Pegg providing that he isn't a one-trick pony as Sergeant Nicholas Asswipe. <laughs> Nicholas. <laughs> okay, Westy, over to you. Yeah. Who have you picked out in the cast? I'm going to go for Nick Frost as mm. Danny Butterman. What mm-hmm. a fucking sweetheart this guy is. Ah, he is he's, he's so, just a puppy, isn't he? Oh, he's just yeah. so lovable and so naive and so childish. And he's just the absolute embodiment of someone who's been brought up in a small town doing mm. the job that his dad says he has to do. <laughs> yeah. Wrapped in cotton and wool. He's wrapped in yeah. cotton wool and his only escape is watching films. And that, to oh. me, just hits home. When he opens that door <laughs> and you just see all them films and for the, by the power of Grayskull, yeah. just incredible. You just see that collection. And I'm like, yeah, well, that was kind of my only escape as well because, Aww. well, they are. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm nowhere near as sweet as Danny Butterman, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if he was a bit more of a sea bomb. Then that's that's like me. But he's just, I think Frost is having, like I said before, he's having great fun, and there's no ego to this. And he mm-hmm. knows exactly where the humour lands and he knows where mm-hmm. his lines are. And it's his timing in this whole yeah. film. Not necessarily the action performance, but he knows how funny he is. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And I think a lot of this is just Nick Frost being Nick Frost. Mm. But he's just talking, so what's it like being stabbed? <laughs> and he's like, what's his second most painful? And he just said the way he just goes <laughs> over, just like bends his head a little bit. And he's just so yeah. kind of like... He shuffles his yeah, shuffles shuffles chair over. over. Yeah. And he's like, mm, yeah. It's it's absolutely great. And I'm not going to be short a chunky monkey for a, for the foreseeable. Oh, Daddy. Oh, Dad. <laughs> and there's just that bit, you know, it, it's the same if you watch him in Shaun of the Dead and how much he's stripped that dickheadness away, if there's mm-hmm. a, a yeah. want of a better phrase. It's just like he mm-hmm. was an absolute arsehole in Shaun of the yeah, Dead. Yeah, he is. Yeah. You can see him just to lay about and he's a. He, he kind of annoys us a little bit in Shaun of the Dead because he's supposed to. That character's supposed to. Yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah. is, yeah. But this guy, he just wants to better himself, but he doesn't know how to. Yeah. And I think Frost brings that just beautifully to the whole thing. And it's like, just from that moment, from the very first moment when they open the cell in the morning, he's gone. <laughs> oh, my, and he just appears from about, where's he going? <laughs> and it's just, uh, Why are you dressed as a policeman? Yeah. Because, because I, I am one. <laughs> everything's a question yeah I think he really really shines in this for the wealth of talent that's on show in this film Nick Frost for me absolutely steals it mm-hmm. yeah he does yeah, yeah he's fantastic he's got so many funny lines 
I love it when they're talking about Lurch when they're on the beat. He says, lives up Summer Street with his mum and his sister. And are they as big as he is? Who? The mum and the sister. Same person. Yeah. <laughs> Caught out with there. Because he's fuck ugly. He fuck ugly. Yeah. And when... <laughs> <laughs> and when and when Nicholas has pulled together his evidence with Danny, he's gone through the list of victims, George Merch and Tim Messenger, to get to Eve Draper. Nicholas says, blows leading lady. <laughs> and Nicholas says, favoured older men. Fingered. Fingered. <laughs> that is wonderful. Yeah. Just even like the stuff you don't see in the backstories that his dad said, like he misplaced his helmet. You can totally understand yeah, him doing just, that. Oh, I don't know where it is, Dad. Yeah, turn the station upside down. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Frost said that he would only take the part if he was able to name his character, and he chose right. Danny Butterman. Right. Nice. Um, and he was also asked to watch 20 action films in preparation. He only watched one Bad Boys 2. Bad Boys 2. <laughs> Yeah, and as much as obviously the, the famously like best friends off screen, there was a point when they were filming the speed check scene when Peg and Frost they got in a quite a heated argument by all accounts because right. Peg thought that Frost was getting too big for his boots because Frost was asking the AD to get him coffee. And the scene itself right. took four hours to shoot and apparently they just didn't speak to each other at all apart from the dialogue they had to deliver. I mean, it's needed for the scene, but Peg is particularly frosty in that scene. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I suppose if you didn't know that they had an argument, mm. you really wouldn't see it. Yeah. But well, that looks a bit out of place. Yeah. Asking the AD for coffee, though. I mean, it's assistant director. That's yeah. not his job at all. <laughs> yeah, it's not. He's got no. other shit to do. Well, in that scene, one of the ways Danny idles away his time is by drawing graphic flip animation. And in that scene, the one that you're talking about there, Matt, mm. they were created by Oscar Wright, Edgar's brother, who's a comic book illustrator. Yeah, yeah they're isn't he? Yeah. great. So obviously not as much range coming from Frost, but he is a standout as the lovable Fanny Batterbomb. Oh, he's great. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the two main antagonists, I suppose, Timothy Dalton and Jim Broadbent. Oof, mm-hmm. double whammy. Lovely. Yes, Timothy Dalton as Simon Skinner and bang, Jim bang. Broadbent as Frank Butterman. Dalton, first of all, it's clear he's, he's having the time of his life. Yeah. Like the, you said, Westy, he's shown up at various crime scenes, yeah. scored by dire straits, which, I mean... <laughs> Still fucking hilarious. Hilarious. And then you've got Fire by Arthur Brown yeah. and the house fire. Yeah. Amazed. Fire! <laughs> Great. Yeah. But I think there's loads of nods going on in these two scenes. And surely a nod to the likes of Tango and Cash, where Jack Palance's character just happens to be driving past the scene of the crime at the start of the right, film, even yeah. though it's in the middle of yeah. nowhere. Good What's shout. he doing there? Great shout. Yeah. And also that explosion at George Merton's. It's got to be a nod to the explosion from Lethal Weapon 2. Yeah. With yeah, the yeah. toilet. Yeah. yeah. And his opening scene, it's a career best for me. I'm a slasher of prices. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Catch me later. Catch me later. <laughs> I love that. That's fucking great. A respondent to the general criticism of action films where the villain is so obvious that he might have well be standing next to a neon sign. Wright wanted a scene where Dalton stands next to a sign saying, bad guy. Yeah. But obviously he nixed it because he couldn't find a right way of getting no. it into the film. Yeah. Of course you couldn't. No. That's ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. But it's so obvious that he's the bad guy that he couldn't possibly be, and I think that's a that's a great move yeah. because he, well, it can't be him. But then because it can't be him, it has to be him. Yeah, yeah. great, yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. And Skinner was written specifically with Dalton in mind, and, and Dalton himself has said that Hot Fuzz was the most fun he'd ever had working on a film. And you know, we've all said it. You can totally tell that. Yeah, you can tell he loves it. He's loving it. Yeah, and he actually conceived the Tash himself 
because he said it would add another additional layer of sleaze to the character, which it definitely <laughs> does. You've got a moustache. I know. And another masterstroke was to get in Jim Broadbent as Inspector Frank Butterman. Overseas audiences might not be as familiar with his work as Timothy Dalton, but he's a stalwart of the British small yeah, screen. Yeah. Is. Yeah. He's, he's a great presence on screen as well. Yeah, it's fantastic. I love the sequence when Butterman's showing Angel around the station. Riot room! <laughs> <laughs> Evidence room! <laughs> right, it's 11.30, so yeah. lunch. It's <laughs> lunch, <laughs> He says Sergeant Popwell was an exceptional officer, and he had one thing that you haven't got, Nicholas. What's that? A great big bushy beard! <laughs> and all these lines are delivered so well, because they have to be, because they're going to come back later on. Yeah. It's yeah. just voiceovers somewhere, so they have to yeah. be this like memorable delivery, and it's, yeah. it's, it's wonderful. It's so weird to yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great big bushy beard! <laughs> He's playing like kind of like the dim-witted country type to hide his sinister side. Yeah. And I think that's great. And I also like that the character has got an outrageous sweet tooth. Yes. He's yes. constantly yeah. eating yeah. ice cream yeah. desserts. It. It. Yeah. <laughs> he's not Judge Judy and Executioner. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love Broadbent. So Jim Broadbent was a huge fan of Shaun of the Dead. He got in touch with Peg and Wright afterwards to ask if they would consider him for his next film. Oh wow! Yeah. That would be enough for me. I'll just, I'm yeah. just going to do a film based around Jim Broadbent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wonderful. So as a result, yeah. the wrote Butterman for him, like specifically for him. Which yeah, it feels like it's a natural fit, Very doesn't much. it, yeah. for that character, Very that definitely. actor. As mentioned, a superb cast. There are a number of blink and you miss some cameos. Matt, you mentioned that the top Peter Jackson is the aggressive Santa Claus <laughs> yeah. who stabs Angel. Yeah, Kate Blanchett as Janine. Yeah. Director Joe Cornish plays Janine's new boyfriend Bob. Hello. Hello. Yeah. And uh, director Garth Jennings, who did Son of Rambo and Sing, strangely enough, mm-hmm. and Sing too. He plays a crack addict in the opening montage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he does. And not as famous as the others mentioned, but Wright and Peg's mother play the Village of the Year adjudicators near the end. Oh, nice. Alongside yeah. Wright's school drama teacher. Right. right. Yeah. Is that when the sign mm. falls down behind Yeah, him? that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, yeah. Clipboard, yeah. So in the cast, Peg and Frost lead the way, but they're supported by one of the best British casts ever assembled. Certainly up there. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely this century. A little bit of qualifying criteria from Matt. I'm not going to agree with that wholeheartedly. It's a bold claim. In there. It is a bold claim. I'll, I'll make sure I cover me tracks by 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, as that's 11.30, I'd say that's lunch. This episode of All The Right Movies is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work and not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who have seen what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to all ATRM listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash ATRM. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ATRM. 
Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of All The Right Movies. The Middle In the second act, Nicholas's theory about something sinister going on continues to intensify and they find John Matrix's arsenal at Arthur Webley's farm. <laughs> Indeed they do. <laughs> <laughs> right? Wrong. <laughs> yes, I suppose. <laughs> Our next sequence sees the two leads bonding over a few pints while accidents happen to the undesirables of the village. Yeah. Starting off with the scene with Nicholas and Danny in the pub. Yeah, Roy! (laughs) (laughs) I like that all of the coppers are in the pub. Yeah. Who's policing the streets? (laughs) Everyone's off. Bill Bailey and his brother. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) No No one tells tells me nothing. nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Great. But it's a nice moment where Nicholas starts to open up about his desire to be in the force and Danny's lapping it up. Yeah. And he reveals something about his family life and his mother, traffic collision. There is the semblance of an emotional beat there, which is quickly pivoted over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's exposition, but I think it's done in a great way. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Nicholas is talking about his uncle Derek. Sounds like a good bloke. Actually, he was arrested for selling drugs to students. What? To me, it's no quickly that changes. Yeah. George Merchant's just having a piss up the fruit machine in front of everybody. No, yeah. no, no wonder he's wanted for dead. <laughs> Absolute asshole. Uh, there's that lovely exchange when they take him home. How much do I owe you? 20 quid. There you go. Yeah. And there's your change. God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But I mentioned about the horror influences. This mass figure stuck in the shadows is, is kind of nightmarish, which is yeah. heightened by the score mm-hmm. and the sound design. And amongst all the comedy and action, I think it's really impressive to blend these horror elements and not imbalance things. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tell you what I love, though, just before this, is, is when Danny suggests the go to the pub because it's just that shot of a topless Nick Frost with the deodorant. But, yes. but, <laughs> unless you've got to water your piece, Lily. Yeah. But, like, it's, like, if you go online, there's so many outtakes of that scene. Yes. Simon Pegg just couldn't keep a straight face. I mean, you wouldn't be able to, would you? Like a topless Nick Frost. Pub? <laughs> so funny. <laughs> love it when they go back to Danny's and he just reveals this collection of dvds and mm. this is how you turn your mind off and to me i'm like yeah that's so true point break and bad boys too which one do you think i'll enjoy which one do you want to watch first you put them <laughs> in you have put so them in my leg yeah we'll fucking watch both of them it's like every time that i'll come over yours luke it's like which one we're going to watch first <laughs> dressed to kill or blow out yeah <laughs> 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 we always had two lined up like yeah what was it last time? It was, well, it was Goodwill Hunting and then Major League, I think, last time. Yeah, what a um, combination. Big wow. bang, bang. Yeah, it was. It just reigns true. And it's the transitions here that I really enjoy. I think this is really Edgar Wright having a lot of fun yeah. between singing the action that he wants to emulate and the cuts between them. And mm-hmm. it, it really works for me. I think the transitions here are really, really great. Danny, with them controls on that bit on point break, <laughs> when he's shooting in the air and he just has them, he's like, bah, 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 bah. Oh. and the sound design's amazing. <laughs> he just drops them and he's like, ah. <laughs> I feel like that every single time. I just can't do that. It's I, about I really to go want, off. <laughs> yeah, I really want to do that, but I can't do it. And it just, it's great because that is just a love of film. Yeah, And I think it's a love of film that we all have. And it's a real comfort blanket. But there's so many nods to both of them films, and it, it is quite literal in what he does with Point Break. It is mm-hmm. quite literal what yeah, he does with Bad much. Boys too. Yeah. 
but I know for a fact that they had to really clear everything with Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, Martin Lawrence, Will Smith, and each of their stunt doubles to feature it wow. in the film. <laughs> and then Peg said they wanted to include Lethal Weapon, but he said that Mel Gibson wouldn't have a sense of humour about it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a fair enough. of abuse, I imagine. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I, I like both them films, to be fair, and that is a good night for me. So if I'm coming back from the pub, I'm going to watch them too. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally up for it. I think he may not have been able to get actual scenes from Lethal Weapon films in this film, but they more than make up for it in the references. There oh, are of course tons. Yeah, absolutely yeah. tons. Yeah. Yeah, and that the DVDs that we see, this kind of big Holy Grail film collection. Oh, yeah. <gasps> It's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to see. That was actually made up of the combined hall from the DVD libraries of Ed Gride, as you'd expect. His brother Oscar, who we've already mentioned, and Joe Cornish, the director, who... Oh, Joe Cornish, right. As we mentioned, he's got a cameo in this. I would have just thought it was Edgar Wright's collection. I would have thought his was more than enough. Just his. Just loads of Giallo films. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Danny's DVD collection's got their own room. That's amazing. And the the rest of the house is fucked. Yeah. How long you lived yeah. here? About five years. <laughs> it's got spotlights and everything. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> the explosion at George Merchant's house was a, a big practical effect. There were gas mortars put in front of the house to create those fireballs. Right. And to get the effect of the fire engulfing the camera, more gas canisters were used to fire upwards towards a black ceiling that was sloped downwards towards the camera. Right. At high speed, it gives that fireball effect. All right. Yeah, it looks great, though. Yeah, it does. It does. I want to talk about... One of the scenes that's definitely one of the most horror-inflected ones, and oh, it's, it's when wonderful. Tim gets killed, which, I mean, I love Adam Buxton in this. He's so funny. Ah. Hi, hi. Hi, hi. Just <laughs> such a perky guy, loves his job. <laughs> and, and when he gets killed, it's really funny. But it's also, like I say, as a horror scene, it works really well. I like the music here. It's very effective because mm. that mix in with the feedback from the mic, the whirring of that tombola. <laughs> And the fact that Angel doesn't want to be there in the first place, but now he knows Tim's got something important to tell him, it's all the worse. And he can feel his like discomfort having to stand there and suffer through all those like crap jokes, like why Skinner isn't around. Oh, too much of Joyce's lemonade, perhaps. Everybody's that's hilarious. <laughs> Everybody loves stood it. There, like, yeah, yeah. <sighs> so yeah, it's building up the tension really well because now we know there's a killer on the loose. But it is one of those scenes where again, I think the Andes just come in and they just steal it from everyone, like when he's introduced on stage and you just say, prick, wanker, wanker. (laughs) (laughs) Just to jump back a bit as well, because we've got to mention the double take Considine does after the fighting. I mean, mean, obviously it's a visual gag, but oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Brilliant stuff. But then, yeah, the killing itself, I mean, it's very, very the omen, isn't it? It's It's totally the omen. Patrick Troughton in the graveyard with the spire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I do love those cuts here between the tomball spinning, the killer running up the stairs dressed as death, everyone in the crowd laughing, that masonry slowly being like pushed off and the speed it comes down. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And I think Wright holds that shot just long enough of that masonry stuck into mm-hmm. Tim's torso. Like the head's just gone. <laughs> top very off. Top just half. walk and just tottering around. Just wobbling yeah. just, just enough. Yeah, just, just enough. enough. Yeah. And I know it was done with a dummy against a green screen and the head was filled with explosives and they detonated right. at the point of impact. Right. And, you know, classic right and peg, just loads of foreshadowing before this because you look at Skinner, what's he doing? He's in charge of Splat the Rat, which is obviously what... Splat the Rat! Splat the Rat, which is obviously <laughs> what Tim is. it. Yeah. screaming it yeah. really violently. Um, you know, when Tim's name gets pulled out, they forget, Tim, your number's up. 
Brilliant. It's a lot of foreshadowing, but it's just one of these scenes that sums up how ridiculous this police force is. Frank dressed as a cowboy straight away. Oh, it's an accident. It's an accident. It's being a terrible accident. Yeah. But it's Fisher for me, just wandering around like with his face painted as Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> with his little kid also painted as Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, what a bunch of clowns. Really funny scene, but yeah, the it's inconvenience the really for well. the Andes as well. It's like, can you yeah. question people or can you yeah. lock the scene off? They're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> no one wants to do the job. Yeah, yeah. they don't at all. No. It's great. So, with bodies piling up like midsummer murders, the accident excuse can't last for too much longer. No. no. After Tim is killed, Nicholas has a run in with Danny, but continues to build his case. They very, very quickly make up, and by way of a peace offering, Nicholas pops out to buy him a birthday present. And yes. Westy, you're picking it up from here. Yeah, when they go to Leslie's. This is page three. Here we go. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's foreshadowing that Matt mentioned. I was just about to pop off, actually. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, great. And, mm-hmm. You know, that whole monologue, that whole delivery. <laughs> oh, God rest him. God rest her. God, God rest him. him. God rest him. God rest him. Oh, God rest <laughs> your soul. And it does that slow push. Yeah. It's just at this point where I go, this is too much. It's really? It's just too much there's 10 i've counted it there's 10 cuts of angel coming through the window and lying on the floor and getting up 10 cuts <laughs> stop in the name of the law bang right so it's on the he's just literally on the floor and then i know this whole sequence is supposed to be like a night the point break of running through the gardens yes. and he's mentioned it before and yes okay i get that that's absolutely fine but it's nowhere near as refined as it should be Mm. It's nowhere near as clever as it wants to be, and it's too long. And the only thing that really saves this scene is the scene after it, where they're like, so this wasn't an accident. Because <laughs> <laughs> it fucking was. <laughs> and then he goes for it, and it's just like, thank you, Danny. Am I going completely mad? <laughs> yeah, it's just that whole rant that he does. It totally makes up for this. I mean, that dialogue sequence is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, cousin Sissy can go for <laughs> just one minute. Yeah, and then he, but he would find out the identity of cousin Sissy. Then could yeah. one fuck mm. himself or herself? Yeah, because he thinks it's a female character, obviously. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you would have found that out, and that's clever. That's great, mm-hmm. but it just—it's just too many cuts. It's great, but it should have just been done a lot quicker and just with a little bit more thought. I think they're just giving—they're just throwing too much in there. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it goes back to your fundamental issue that you have with the film yeah, and maybe yeah. with this style of directing from Romain Wright. Yeah, because this is very much on the nose from yeah. that style. It's just mm. too much. In this moment, Angel talks about the virtue of keeping his notebook with him at all times. It's the most important piece of equipment you ever own. Yeah. And the one time he leaves it in his car, this is when Leslie buys it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so he goes back for it. I like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. After this, though, there's, there's two scenes that are definitely two of my favourite scenes. Mm. And first of all, it's when... Angel gets back to the police station and he lays out his theory and he gets nothing but like rebuff from everyone <laughs> because th- there's a couple of small moments here that I've just thought about pretty much ever since. Like, first of all, Olivia Colman is Doris when she says, accidents happen all the time. What makes you think it was murder? <laughs> like, <laughs> brilliant. That just makes me laugh so much. Like yeah. the facial expression, murder. She's wonderful in this film. Like, she's amazing. She's great. So good. She makes every line count. And then it's Paddy Considine because, like, the first time I showed this to my son, 
he nearly died laughing at the bit when Andy goes, ooh, murder, murder, murder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Genuinely, for ages afterwards, any conversation, one of us would just go, ooh, murder, 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 out of nowhere. <laughs> because it's just Amazing. one of those moments, you know, and it just resonates. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I fucking love that scene. It really makes me laugh so much. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And then it leads to another favourite of mine, which is that confrontation with Skinner at some of Fields where he accuses him of being the murderer. Because there's another great performance in here which doesn't get talked about enough, and that's Alice Law as Tina. Like, yeah. Yeah. I love the fact she does nothing all day but just hang about Skinner's office, <laughs> drapes herself all over from like a gangster's mall or has her feet up on the desk just doing her nails. Brilliant. I'm sure we've all done that type of kind of retail job. And there's been someone who is like Tina, you just think... They don't do anything all day. Yeah, well, how do they get away with it? How yeah. do they get away with it? Just flirting with the manager. Job, though, hasn't you? Like, yeah. Well, yeah, going to get into that. Yeah, his yeah. view on that is amazing. That yeah. smile. Uh, he's brilliant. <laughs> he's brilliant. And, like, again, she's somebody like Livy Coleman. Just every line is brilliant. No. Mr. Skinner to the manager's office. Manager's office, Mr. Skinner. Mr. Skinner. Yeah. Really great. <laughs> and, again, got to talk about Dalton amazing he is so smug acting the innocence and the funniest thing is angel has this incredibly convoluted theory that in any other murder mystery of this kind that would be what's been going work. on it's all yeah. about the property deal yeah mm-hmm. and the funny thing it's is like it's glass onion it is it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. that's what's funny about it it's got nothing to do with that and there's just yeah. lots of lovely character moments frank's face when he realizes angel has just embarrassed himself here and he's doing yeah. all the wincing in the background yeah. <laughs> Wesley Spencer, but when Skinner says Tina has another job as a table dancer and you cut yeah. to Constantine looking really sleazy at her <laughs> until Spall clocks him and then he gets a serious face back on again. <laughs> it's so good. It's brilliant. So the yeah, two scenes, I really love these scenes. And can you remember the name of the table dancer place that Tina works at? Oh, is it Flappers or something? It's Flappers. Flappers. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Constance is like, yeah, she does. Yeah, I've seen her there. Yeah. Great when Skinner says, very entertaining, Nicholas, but I think maybe you've been watching too many films and Danny butts in from the background. Um, He hasn't. He hasn't. <laughs> yeah. No, he hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and that shot of Skinner smiling next to his own picture. Yeah. Surely you're not Deloitte Bridges. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, an airplane. Airplane. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, after many failed attempts to get the bottom of the mystery, including the one you've just gone through there, Matt, I'm picking up where the penny finally drops. Mm. They're all in on it at the NWA Castle meeting. Yeah. Funny when Skinner is trying to justify that he killed Martin Blow because he was a terrible actor. He murdered him because, well, he murdered Bill Shakespeare. Nicholas says, what? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Frank's transformation from oblivious inspector to satanic ringleader is mm. totally believable when he enters yeah. in like yeah. the specter of death explaining really about works. his wife's really demise works. yeah mm-hmm. really works and nicholas is devastated when danny shows up yeah yeah oh the pain on his face yeah and there's absolutely nowhere for him left to turn he's been done up like a kipper which mm. does beg the question i suppose why would sanford accept a big city cop to join their force particularly after Sergeant Popwell, if they're just going to have to bump them off anyway? Yeah. Because they're not bothered about bumping them off. I think. I know, but we would be a lot of off everyone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not killing everyone yeah. that comes in. Yeah. But don't accept any outsiders then? Well, yeah, but it's, it, it, it has to happen just to maintain that status quo, doesn't it? Of I course mean, You've it got does, the living yeah. statue, kill him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 12 o'clock, yeah. 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2, two o'clock. o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> That's great. 
But it, nevertheless, it's great when Nicholas makes a run for it and he uncovers all the dirty secrets lurking below. I think it's quite spine-tingling sequence in amongst all the filth and the mm. rats and the cobwebs of a crusty jugglers, dogs, kids, travellers, yeah. and the great yeah. big bushy beard of Sergeant Popwell. <laughs> yeah. But there's a great reveal at the end of this sequence when Danny knifes Nicholas and we later find out that it's yeah. tomato ketchup, which yeah. is expertly set up in the pub earlier. Yeah. But not only that, Nicholas is Danny's equivalent of Bordy from Point Break. He'd never kill him. Because he loves him. Yeah. He loves him so much. (laughs) So much. So much. (laughs) And he knows in his heart that Nicholas is right, really, but he just can't quite go over the edge with it because the town is all he knows. Like you said, Wesley, he's been wrapped in cotton wool and it's really difficult to pull yourself away from that, which is the great irony because he's been thirsting for this kind of action all along. Yes, absolutely. He's been desperate to be a big city cop, but now he's got the opportunity. He doesn't want to hear it. Yeah. Not yet, anyway. No. <laughs> yeah, it's coming up. So with Nicholas packed up and on his way to London, the village can go back to concentrating on winning the Village of the Year award. <laughs> go back to London. <laughs> <laughs> the crew. Wright and Peg hold the pen on hot fuzz. Matt, mm-hmm. what do you think of their work here as writers? It's fascinating me because I'd just love to know how that relationship between them as writers precisely works. I mm. imagine with Wright, you know, he's coming up with all the visual gags. So I do wonder how much input did Peck have into that kind of last 15 or 20 minutes because, you know, I can well imagine it's right in. It's going to be a car chase. It's going to be an action sequence. I'm going yeah. to handle that. Yeah, I'll, think, up on yeah, it, I'll take care of that. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take care of that. That's my arena. And I think that's probably quite telling why that's my least favourite part of the film because mm. it kind of, you lose the character stuff and you lose some of the jokes, I think. Yeah. But I think when they're clearly working together, it's great. And there's no scene written as filler or something that just connects two bigger scenes together. Everything mm-hmm. is so thoroughly thought through. What joke can we get in here? What observation yes. can we make about village yeah. life? What character name can we make a play on? What yeah. what seed can we lay in the scene that we're going to pay off 90 minutes later? Yeah, it's, it's like the effort itself. You've just got to applaud just the sheer effort that they've put into that. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, we're talking about Hot Fuzz, so it's not a script where you can sit and you can talk about what themes are going on, what theories yeah. you can pull out of it. You can't pull it mm-hmm. apart like that. It's, it's a straight-up no, comedy film with nothing else really on its mind. You've got to look at it and go, you know what? In that sense, it's really well-written because it is really funny, and it's funny from beginning to end. And mm-hmm. I'm also a big fan just of the detail they bring into the supporting characters. Again, no one is written as a filler. Obviously, the casting is brilliant, which helps, but you can watch this and go, oh, the best characters in this, it's the Andes or Skinner because he's a great villain. You know, Mm -hmm. the likes of Kevin Eldon and David Bradley don't get a huge amount to do because there's not time, but what time they do have in the script, they've got a killer line to deliver or they've got a laugh they can get by themselves. Everyone's Mm -hmm. got something, haven't they? Everyone's got something. I mean, we've been laughing, but even PC Walker just going, tits in the background. (laughs) Cocks. Cocks. (laughs) It's his little thing, but that works. It works really well. What do we need the dog for? We don't need the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brilliant. Saxon. Yeah. Woof. (laughs) (laughs) Even Saxon gets a line. (laughs) Exactly. He gets a laugh with it. Um, And, you know, mentioned already, but, you know, Olivia Colman in there, you know, years before she was the huge Oscar winning star that she is now. Amazing. And I do know actually she's called Doris because that's what female police officers were referred to back in the dark ages when they weren't taken, like, particularly seriously in the job. Yeah. She's a Doris. Yeah. Yeah. She's a Doris. Yeah. Yeah. Female police officers. She's not a female police officer. Yes, he is. I've seen her bra. I've seen her bra. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he's such a child, isn't he? Oh, sorry, Bettina Pra. I mean, Corman. She needs a, a big shout out here yeah. because she's got some of the most outrageous lines. <laughs> like, I've been around the station a few times. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the doctor, you shouldn't eat later tonight, don't know. Quite like a little midnight gobble. <laughs> <laughs> outrageous stuff. <laughs> Just that bit of the, the fair as well. And she's like, there's a spit roll. She's like, I'll be me after a couple of pints. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This is so fast. It's fucking great. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> when it's Danny's birthday and she comes out with a pair of comedy boobs on. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> and the Andes, yes. Outrageous, hard-ass police stereotypes. Brilliant. Just throwing shade all over Nicholas for absolutely no reason. Yeah. There's always this rival police partnership that are loggerheads with the leads, like in Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. There's always a rival partnership. Yeah. Great. Skid marks. <clears throat> now he's being childish. <laughs> now he's being childish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the way they work off each other. It's like Constantine doing the whole Kalashnikov. Yeah. <clears throat> and then it's all doing the head. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's great. And we've mentioned the hilariously titled NWA, the Neighbourhood Watch Alliance. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Which, I mean, obviously, NWA, it's a rap group, if you don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couldn't possibly say what the NWA stands no. for there. Something with attitude. The straight out of Compton. That's, yeah, that's straight out of Compton. Know. That's all yeah. you know. But the group is lit with old school British acting talent, a lot of which have had notable villain roles in other films. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Billy Whitelaw, plays Joyce Cooper, the owner of the B&B, where Nicholas stays, she plays Mrs. Baylock in The Omen, amazingly. Yeah, 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 yeah. she really does. And yeah. there's loads of references to the omen in this film. Yeah. Paul Freeman plays Reverend Philip Shooter. He was Belloc in Belloc. Belloc. We call it Belloc. We call it Belloc. <laughs> <laughs> Belloc. And this one is unbelievable to me when I was doing the research. Stuart Wilson plays Dr. Robin Hatcher. Yeah. Yeah. And I just never made the connection. But this guy played Jack Travis in Lethal Weapon 3. Yeah, Lethal Weapon mm-hmm. 3, of course. Yeah. The good stuff, Jesus. The good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put our initials in there. Yeah. <laughs> He's great in Weapon 3 as well. And as the film was partly inspired by The Wicker Man, it only seems right that Edward Woodward is cast as Tom Weaver, the CCTV obsessive. Yes. Yeah. Just an amazing cast. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about the action side of things in the screenplay. It's crammed with references to the genre with huge affection, maybe not to Westie's tastes. Okay. Or maybe not even to Matt's tastes. Okay. The film itself was a play on the classic two-word titles of various action films that have come before it, most of which generally have very little to do with the film. Black Rain, Lethal Weapon, Hard Target, Raw yeah. Deal, etc. Mm-hmm. Wright initially wanted to call it Hot Fuzz, Hot with two Ts, to yep. mirror his observation that a lot of these films have the same number of letters in each word, Lethal Weapon, Point Break, True Lies. All right, right yeah. But this... ID was thrown out by Simon Pegg, who didn't want to have to answer the question about the double T in every single interview he did for the <laughs> yeah, film. Good That's a good yeah. point. You would be, wouldn't you? Yeah. Pegg commented that a lot of action films seem to be generated from two hats filled with adjectives and nouns, mm. and you just pull one out each and say, yeah, that works. <laughs> and then, in a nod to the Dirty Harry films, the police officer who preceded Nicholas Angel, we've already talked about Sergeant Popwell, Mm. Albert Popwell was an actor who appeared in four of the Dirty Harry films, but as a different character each time. But mm. probably his most notable one is he's the bank robber at the start of the original Dirty Harry. Hey, I got to know. Hey, man, I <laughs> got to know. <laughs> Angel's lists of impressive feats are listed in the opening montage, as we've seen. He's yeah. 
received nine special commendations, among which for Operation Shakedown, Crackdown, <laughs> Showdown, and Takedown. <laughs> 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 which is fucking great. It's a nod to Pete Seeger's song Shakedown for Beverly Hills Cop 2, which is yeah. wonderful. What a song. Takedown, Shakedown, shake you're busted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> great, great Brilliant. Song. Yeah. And then another not lethal weapon we get is when the NWA meet in the castle and Joyce makes the announcement that Janice Barker has decided to name her twins Roger and Martin, which is obviously Murtaugh and Riggs. Love that. Yeah. Right, said with Hot Fuzz, it's not so much that there are that many specific film references. Disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Disagree. But he he said there are some like Point Break and Bad Boys too, but then overall it feels like being dipped in genre chocolate. We put so many genre cliches into the pop, you can't necessarily pick out which films they're from. Maybe not your average film fan, but I think we've uncovered a few specifics. Yeah, Yeah, I think we have. Yeah. Yeah. I'll touch on the dialogue that's used, which is is great, and it's really relatable, and it's Mm. very good. It's very British. It's very much, you know, not trying to pander for a different audience. Everyone needs to just buy into it or don't. I think there's some wonderful moments where we don't even know what's being said and has to be translated for us. And I think that's really good. And it's also the references yeah. that they do to the earlier films. I mean, especially Shaun of the Dead, and there's some bits of space as well. But there's the, the whole sequence, you know, the jumping over the fence sequence, mm. which I think is just an absolute shameless callback to Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> oh, it's, it's outrageous. shameless. <laughs> and you're just like, right, you've never taken a shortcut before. Uh, and he does. But in this time, the, the fence jumping sequence, Nicholas is much better than Vaughn than Sean was because Sean is just yeah obviously shit. Sean's crap yeah. yeah he did all the jumps himself apart from the last one which was completed by stunt double right who was waiting out of shot and you can see him I think you can see him kind of pop up I've always thought like which one is the stunt double popping up mm-hmm. and it's the last one yeah so when Frost was doing his fence jump attempt he later joked that he purposely looked back at the camera to prove it was him and not a stunt double doing it <laughs> <laughs> I'll actually crash through the fence and that makes sense the, the thing you can see from the writing is they're personalities are in this writing absolutely 100 yeah they their humor. love of action films yeah their love of cinema even just mm. any cinema even some of the dialogue in this film relates to the camera shots because they know they're going to say something in a certain way and they know how the camera's going to act they know yeah. that it's going to be a fast push they know that it's going to be a, a transition to this so i think they work beautifully together and they work brilliantly together i would just love to see them do something a little bit more serious it's wonderful but at the same time a little bit of a letdown because you want a bit more depth yeah it just seems easy yeah you've got all the crew you've got all the cast you've got everything to play with and did they do enough with it i'm not sure they did wow damn it any old opportunity to get? I it just in said there. I'm not sure they did. It's not <laughs> damn. I wouldn't say it was damn like. It was, it was <laughs> fairly not, measured. Not sure. No, that you saying I'm not sure means, in my opinion, they didn't. Well, yeah, they fucked it up. <laughs> that's that's what you mean. <laughs> you mentioned Shaun of the Dead. There, there's obviously references left and right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bill Nye, Martin Freeman, Julia Deegan, and Rave Spall appear in all the Cornetto films. Yes. Yes, they do. Danny shoots the doc in the leg, just like he did to his sister in Shaun of the Dead. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. One of the Andes calls Danny a monkey, but as he tells us in Shaun of the Dead, he's not a performing monkey. Yeah. yeah. Nice little touches. He does yeah. the Clyde clap as well, doesn't he, when they go yeah, the yeah, yeah. like, hey. <laughs> watch the Amdram thing. Yeah, he does that, yeah. And also when Angel is first introduced to Tom Weaver, who we've talked about, that's Edward Woodward, in the surveillance room, you can see in the background the cricket batter from Shaun of the Dead is propped up against the wall. Yeah, oh, nice. a little Easter egg. Yeah. Iwa-woo-wa. It's really Iwa-woo-wa. there. Iwa-woo-wa, yeah. Well, I think it's only right that we break proceedings and go to our second Patreon question. Okay. 
as we're talking about an f- absolute favourite of one of our longest ever yes. Patreon supporters, yes, just Joe. Oh, hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. We know you love this one. Yeah, great to have you back. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Joe says, one of the things I love about this film, I think it flawlessly blends multiple types of comedy. You've got physical comedy moments, Danny crashing into the fence, mm-hmm. yeah. humor in the dialogue, yeah. and then really subtle things that are there just for the audiences to know and enjoy. The finds listed on the swear box, yeah. for example. Yeah. yeah. Love it. She says, are there any other comedies that you think achieve this blend so well? Right. And finally, she says, thanks so much for putting Hot Fuzz on the poll. She loves it. She yeah. loves us. She does. It's reciprocated, Joe. Thank you. Absolutely our pleasure. It Thank you for sticking around, Joe. Yeah. So, Westy, you got anything? There's two for me that really stand out. And the first one's Big Lebowski. And I think there's Brilliant. some real physical comedy in there that's mm-hmm. really funny. Yeah. Just when the Brilliant. cop throws that cup at him. I don't like your jerk-off name. I don't like your jerk-off face. I don't like Stay out of Malibu. Dead jerk. I'm sorry. I wasn't really listening. Bang. That's brilliant physical comedy. Great lines. Wonderful. And yeah. the other one for me is Dr. Strangelove, oh, which yes. I don't think gets enough love as a comedy film, which is <laughs> really what it is. Yeah, There's hilarious. physical comedy in there. Yeah. There's so many funny it's lines brilliant. in there. And it's similar to this in that if you don't really pay attention to the lines, they kind of disappear. Mm. So I would say mm. for me, without skirting around the obvious, I would say Big Lebowski and Dr. Strangelove. Strangelove. Mm. Sellers is amazing when he's kicking off, when he's trying to put a call into the president. (laughs) (laughs) And what about you, Matt? You got any examples for Joe? The first ones that came to mind was obviously the the Zaz combo. Yeah. Top Secret, which a lot of people have kind of still sleep on Top Secret. That's very good. That's worth checking out. Kilmer's great in that. Yeah, Yeah, Kilmer's brilliant in that, doing the whole Elvis thing. I think Mel Brooks is also a good shout. Um, you know, obviously right, his yeah. films tend to be quite scattergun, but when something like Young Frankenstein or when he's focused, yeah. that's yeah, got yeah. everything. Loads of side Brilliant. gags in the background mm-hmm. and that. But also I thought, actually, I ended up thinking about TV as well, because I think right and Peg, okay. pe- like people of our age, they would have grown up when The Simpsons was amazing, like the mm-hmm. golden age of The Simpsons. Not what it is yeah, now, certainly. it's just yeah. it's poor shadow of itself. But, you know, those golden years when you would have episodes like the Cape Fear episode, yeah. which is just packed full of side yeah. gags mm-hmm. and yeah. great dialogue. So, yeah, I think The Simpsons is actually probably a big influence on how they do their comedy as well. Yeah. Well, I think it's a great question. And I think that one film that came to mind straight away, it's, it's an obvious one. It's This is Spinal Tap. Yeah. Because oh, okay. we're talking about top level yeah. comedy here with Tap. And I think it's a fair shout. It's not as good as Tap, but it's a fair shout to put Hot Fuzz in there. I mean, it seems outrageous to put it in there with Tap, but as Joe puts it, there are multiple levels of comedy going on, which is very rare. Yeah. It needs to be very well written, and this clearly was. So thank you very much for the question, Joe. I hope we satisfactorily answered it for you. Yeah. So back to the screenplay. Following their breakthrough, Shaun of the Dead, obviously, Peg and Wright were essentially given carte blanche to make any film that they wanted. Yeah. Wright said, we wanted to make a cop film in the UK because there isn't really any tradition of cop films in our country. We've got a lot of TV cop shows, but we wanted to make a cop film. And we felt that every other country in the world had its own tradition of great cop action films and we had none. I think that's a fair comment. Yeah. yeah. The script itself took 17, 18 months to write, during which time Peg and Wright watched 138 cop movies. <laughs> Amateurs. Which is a lot. <laughs> Amateurs. <laughs> Should have done 140. In the original draft, Nicholas had a love interest called Victoria, and following rewrites, Victoria was removed from the story, but a lot of her dialogue 
wasn't. It was just repurposed as Danny's dialogue, often with no alteration. It has got that vibe, though, yeah, like when they're sitting talking to each other. Yeah. When they come back yeah. from the pub, it's like, I can show you how to switch I off. I can show you how to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> switch <laughs> off that melon. I yeah. love that. That's yeah. great. It's just so it subtle. It's wonderful. Yeah. And some of the dialogue from the film came directly from the interviews that you talked about, Matt, mm-hmm. earlier with real coppers. Like, I prefer to think my office is out on the streets. Yeah. That came directly from one of the guys right. who they interviewed. Right. And during their research, they observed that a large percentage of police officers were called Nick or Andy. So we get Nicholas Angel and the Andes. Right. right. But when they went to Brixton Police Station, they were given the cold shoulder because the police liaison officer mistakenly told the coppers that Peg and Wright were journalists and they said nothing. <laughs> right. An essential part of their writing process was to use of Roger Ebert's bigger little movie glossary. Mm. Right. Which detail common cliches of the action genre. Peg and Wright wanted to pay homage to the genre, obviously. Yeah. While also adding to its canon, so crammed in as many of these cliches as they could. Yeah. Notably, walking into a dark room and finding the light switch straight away, straddling <laughs> two lanes while driving, that never-ending magazine of bullets and firing <laughs> yeah. at someone and not coming close to hitting them, which is all evident in the film. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that light switch thing is amazing. How many times have you fumbled around yeah. and you're almost at the bottom of yeah. the wall and you can't find the fucking yeah. light switch? Every time, yeah. <laughs> and Wright said about the dynamic between himself, Peg and Frost. When Simon and I write the script together, we already know that he's going to have one of the main parts. And both of us are very anal about the dialogue, mainly because so much of it involves very specific setups for things that will come later in the films. And then Nick comes in and just sprinkles the funny on top in little pieces. Yeah, he came up with the line when he says that he didn't see his cousin face. I'm not made of eyes. <laughs> yeah, <it's brilliant. laughs> he came up with that That's one. Yeah. That. yeah, so another winner from Peg and Wright, writing layer upon layer of humour and homage. Mm-hmm. But is it too much? All right, pipe down, biggin. <laughs> <laughs> the music in the film was provided by David Arnold, showing up again after you fellas talked about him on Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. Yes. And there are some notable songs in the soundtrack. So the music in the film, fellas. Westy, do you want to go first? Yeah, I think the music's really, really good. I think the main thing that I've written down is I would I would have loved a theme. Mm. The music's great, but you can't quite engage with it. I think if they put yeah. as much thought into it as they had with the visuals and all these gags and all the foresight and all of the this is going to happen later on and whatever else, if they had more musical cues instead of dialogue, I think it might have been just a little bit more intelligent in the way that it was delivered. Because mm. Shaun of the Dead, I love that soundtrack. Mm. I think there's some stuff on there where I just go, yeah, that really makes sense. The action sequences, the the, the music is very, very in keeping with what they're trying to do visually. It's mm-hmm. very much like an 80s action kind of vibe and it, it, it drills up. But it never has the foreground. Mm. There's so much going on with the dialogue. There's so much going on with the visuals. And I think it's edited so heavily that it's impossible to have a consistent soundtrack because everything's just switching so fast. The only time that the soundtrack really stands out for me is over the final shootout. Mm. I needed more musical cues and I I needed more to push the emotion. Hand on heart, I don't think that's what they were looking for. I don't mm. think the music was really important. I think the music was there just to be like, I'll oh, put that over when we, when we haven't got any dialogue and there's very limited moments for that in the film. So that's why we get very limited moments of music and that's why it is unfortunately quite forgettable and doesn't really slam home for me. Wow. More shade from Westy. Fucking hell, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to be as, as, like, as polite as possible with it. I think the uh, the soundtrack is a bit of an improvement on Shaun of the Dead, to be honest. 
it's must have something to do with the budget, but I think it works thematically. Goody two shoes in the opening. Mm-hmm. Perfect for Nicholas, perfect beat for that upbeat montage as well. Mm-hmm. There's two kink songs, which are great. Village Green, Preservation Society. Fantastic. Not a massive fan. A massive fan. It's just wrong choices for me. Even in the soundtrack, there are nods to the action genre, the arms hall at Elroy Farm. The music's taken straight from the trailer for Lethal Weapon. Well, it's the same music used in the trailer for the first three Lethal Weapon films. I think this one right. was lifted from Lethal 3, complete with that outrageous guitar piece. Mm. But not just the music, it's matched as well. The run from the farm and the jump over the hedges when the sea mine is ticking is straight out of the opening scene from Lethal 3. Mm. Grab the right. cat. Yeah, right. And I think Arnold's score does what every comedic score should do and be as serious as possible. It's loud and yeah. overblown and dramatic, and I think that's perfect for the material. We talked about it on In Bruges as well. Mm-hmm. A yeah, dead yeah. straight down the line score yeah. to contrast the comedy. Totally the opposite from what you get from the music here. Like, Crazy. I literally don't hear it. Well, here we go. Matt, mm-hmm. what do you think? Well, I mean, I think if, if you watch this like every month, like Luke does, it's going to like soak into your biosmosis. <laughs> fair point. The music, a fair it? point. <laughs> um, my overall take on the music, the soundtrack, the score is it's very like best of indie disco 2007. That's kind of my right. take on it. I'm not in general like a huge soundtrack guy anyway. It's very rare. No, I know you're not. I'll sit and listen to a soundtrack and, and Hot Fuss certainly wouldn't tempt me into doing so. Like, No, I agree with that. Before I put this on for my first rewatch, I knew we'd be talking about the soundtracks. So I sat and thought, well, what, what are the standout songs? And there's two to me. There's Supergrass over the end credits. That's great. I like yeah. Supergrass. Yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Kinks. I do like The Kinks. But yep. if I'm going to listen to either of those bands, I'll just listen to Supergrass or The Kinks. I won't go through the Hot Fuzz soundtrack to listen to them. No, of course you would. And I'll happily go to the grave if I never have to listen to the Fratellis again in my life. Gladly. Oh, gladly. Oh, okay. Yeah, not a fan. <laughs> go to me grave. Yeah, I just can't. <laughs> dramatic. Can't stick to dramatic the about the Fratellis, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate the Fratellis, man. All right, all right. If you think about Shaun of the Dead, what was the scene that everybody talked about Kill the Queen, don't stop me now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have been so easy for them to just repeat that. I think it's to yeah. the credit that actually they don't do that. They back away from that yeah. guy. I'm sure it would have crossed the mind at some point, but they don't. Yeah, the soundtrack, it's great songs, but they're not great because they're in Hot Fuzz. Do mm. you know what I mean? No, I so, agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's like a standout soundtrack. No. I just think thematically it works a bit better. Yeah. So director Robert Rodriguez contributed to the score by doing the music for two scenes. Okay. One where Nicholas is in the shop having left Sanford. And oh, yes. One when he tools up in the big showroom. Rodriguez only saw these scenes from the film and nothing else. <laughs> oh, wow. Right. right said. Rodriguez got the soundtrack, the gun fetish sequence. And he was probably loving that. He's like, I'll soundtrack the gun fetish sequence. Yeah, that's straight <laughs> up the line for me. If you want somebody to soundtrack a, a gun fetish sequence, yeah. get the big one in there. Yeah. Well, of course. He probably only saw two scenes, much like you, Westy. Probably has the same opinion of the film as you. <laughs> Too many cuts. <laughs> Too many Although cuts for Rodriguez my saying that is... I know, that, that's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> you definitely can see that. Yeah. So, a mixed bag on the score and soundtrack front, but I think overall, thematically, it works. Yeah, well, thematically, they all fit in. Finally, we have cinematography from a relative unknown, Jess Hall. Matt, mm-hmm. thoughts on Jess Hall's work here? Well, I think the film looks great for a start. I think it looks mm. very, very Edgar Wright. The main point I wanted to make about the cinematography is that you go back to Shaun of the Dead and he was working with David Dunlap and we talked about mm-hmm. this. They had a pretty colossal falling yeah. out. You know, practically weren't speaking to each other. 
mm-hmm. didn't get on personally, you know, right, felt he wasn't respected. So the overriding feeling I get here, I don't think there's any shot he had a fight over. I don't think there's yeah. any moment he had to justify to Jess Hall. I think Jess Hall, like all DP should do probably, is just produce work that feels extremely harmonious with the director's vision. And I think mm-hmm. overall yeah. it's a film where I think I can see every penny spent on this because I think the key thing about Hot Fuzz that I imagine Wright wanted to avoid, and it, it is a potential pitfall, is that it just looks like a TV episode, but mm-hmm. a two-hour one, and it never does. Yeah. It does feel and look cinematic, and I think mm-hmm. all has to take the credit for that. I mean, we've talked about mixing genres in this film, comedy, action, horror, and I think that it's a credit to the likes of David Arnold and Jess Hall that they were even able to keep up with Wright because he's flying at a million miles an hour. Yeah, I think the biggest compliment I can give Jess Hall is that he matches Wright's vision. Like you were saying, Matt, Mm. the horror movie scenes are framed like Black Christmas. The action scenes are straight out of the Joel Silver handbook. Yeah, There never seems to be an imbalance with the visual style and the way the camera captures this. Sounds like I'm playing it down, but it's incredibly competent work from Hall. Yeah. And that's exactly what Edgar Wright would have wanted, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. I mean, the amount of cuts that are in this film and a cut from left <laughs> to right, front and back, and have everything match lighting wise, have everything match to the way the camera movements, to everything else. It's it really is a headache. Yeah. Just all to do. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> We're gonna cover this from what nine angles with like what one camera? Oh, okay, fine. And I think he does really, really good work, really competent work. And I think he does ground Edgar Wright in the cinematography of this. There's some elements of this where he's like, he's really appreciating the frame. Yeah. Mm. And he, he works with it and he works with the camera. And he didn't do that as much on Shaun of the Dead. I think it's all about what was happening in the frame. This mm. he uses the frame a little bit more as opposed to the action inside of it. And I think a lot of that is down to Jess Hall. And to have this many cuts and I know it gives me a migraine, but it works. It does and work. It, yeah. it really does work. Mm-hmm. And if you're into that, he, he's done an incredible job by matching, you know, a back cut to a front cut to all the light and everything that needs to be done on that set at that time with, I, I would imagine, with the budget, probably about two, three cameras at that point. He does a wonderful job. I don't envy him at all. Work <laughs> no, matters. no. Not at all. Well, it's quite telling that he never worked with Edgar Wright again. There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's had a big lie down afterwards. Yeah. yeah he still hasn't done anything yeah. else. Since. Hasn't, hasn't got hasn't up yet. Up. Still having a lie down. <laughs> so a great crew helping Wright capture his vision. Good soundtrack choices with Arnold and Jess Hall doing their bit to keep all the plates spinning. Yes. Yeah. The end. Ignoring Danny's advice and the threat of the entire village... Nicholas returns to the scene of the crime, takes out a farmer and his mum, and tools up ready for action. Mm. There's no doubt that Sergeant Angel is back. Check out his horse. (laughs) (laughs) Not exactly. (laughs) This is a great sequence. Like you guys say, it it does turn into a little bit of a different film at this this point. And it, it goes into full action mode. And it goes into Edgar Wright going, I know exactly what I'm doing here. And it's kind of like he's he's just taking a breath and going, right, I know. This is it. It's a shootout. Mm. It's fine. Mm. And he turns up the ice. He's got the toothpick, Cobra, very much so. Mm-hmm. You know, into the town on a horse. Didn't know I had a mounted unit. Where's the horse come from? Fuck <laughs> hell. You know, it makes no sense. <laughs> no, if he'd doesn't. gone in on a bicycle, that would have been a lot funnier because you've got yeah. the bicycle gag at the start. It doesn't quite pay off, but, you know, it's a homage to all the westerns of the guy, you know, riding into yeah. town. It's fine. 
Yeah, you mentioned there the bit about the amount of division. Bill Bailey obviously plays two parts in the film. Sergeants, Turner, twin brothers. Mm, yeah. A great gag reveal near yeah. the end of the film. It is a great gag yeah. reveal, yeah. You can distinguish between the two, apart from their general demeanour, by casting a watchful eye over their reading habits. Yes. One reads Ian Banks and the other reads Ian M. Banks, although both Ian and Ian M. are one and the same person. <laughs> it's <laughs> so confusing. Yeah, it's it really is. Ian M is Ian's pseudonym for sci-fi novels, I believe. Right. Yeah, and then it all kicks off. Morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boom. All right, uh-huh. great. But I just, I'm left feeling a little bit hollow by it all. You see it building. You see what's going to happen. It leaves me feeling a little bit like when I used to watch the A-Team and nobody dies. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? They all they'll, get they'll, superficial injuries, don't Exactly. They? Yeah. Somebody throws a hand grenade and you see them get up again. Or you're going to yeah. shoot a tire and then the barrels will come down and knock somebody over. Yeah, it's great. And it's, it's like just watching people have a great time make a film because they can. But mm. what am I getting from it? I don't think I'm getting anything from it. <laughs> Selfish. <laughs> but, I, but, but, but what do you watch your film for? To get something from it? You need to be moved by it. You, it needs to change you as a person. That's the whole point of cinema. It needs to deliver a message and tell you a story that you are not familiar with or something that you're very familiar with that makes you feel necessary and alive. And to me, this is just kind of Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and everyone else going, yeah, we're going to do a shoot out in the town square. Great. But what do I get from that? Nothing. I don't know. I'm looking for too much out of this. To You're be looking honest. for far too far much. Far too Westy. much. And I, I, it's, it's just a knockabout comedy with a nice action sequence. Exactly. Not <laughs> enough for me. Okay. Well, I do take some sick satisfaction from old people being beaten up in films. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Wow. So fair play to the cast here, the farmer and his mum, and all the kind of old British stalwarts who are pretty game to get involved and in. i think they pull it off well there's nothing better than seeing like old people have their toes blown off <laughs> love it <laughs> <laughs> right okay well we're moving action so what we're thinking pub <laughs> and we're going to talk about the pub shootout a comparatively short sequence but i like it mm-hmm. on almost everything to the bar shootout scene from desperado yes mm-hmm. unloading an unholy amount of ammo with nobody getting a scratch that's Action Movie 101. Jumping through the air, shooting guns. Danny's finally got his wish. Yep. Yep. In fact, yeah, everything that Danny asked Nicholas, if he's been involved in from the start, Danny experiences. Yeah. Firing two guns while flying through the air, being in a high-speed pursuit, firing a gun while being in a high-speed pursuit. Yep. Love it. They break through the door with a sign that says, come on in, which I think is a nice touch. Mm-hmm. And this is where... Nicholas gets the coppers to finally understand what he's been saying them all along. They're being brainwashed. And I think Frank's argument that Nicholas is not even from round here is a very British thing to say. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've heard that a million times in my life in small towns, which we're kind of from. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like a badge of honour to say you were born and bred here and outsiders yeah. are often frowned upon. Yeah. Yeah. And there's another nice guy here with the chalkboard behind the pub owners during the shootout and that reads two shooters for the price of one. Yeah. yeah, lovely. Yeah. And isn't that it's the same pub machine from Shaun of the Dead, isn't it? Makes the same noise. Oh, yeah. 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 Ah, right. Yeah. The fruit machine. The fruit machine. Yeah, yeah the one that um, yeah. Ed plays Brilliant. in yeah, yeah. Shaun of the Yay. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> same on I'm pretty sure they get it in the world's end as well. And I'm going to go for the scene straight after this, which is the Summerfield shootout. And Oh, yes. Like I say, I do have some issues at this point in general. It's all a bit hectic. It's a bit too loud. It loses itself a little bit. But I do think the Summerfield shootout is great fun. You know, it's what we've been yes, saying all along. 
everyone's having so much fun here and it really feeds into it. And it is this big action sequence, but you do have these little character moments like Fisher finally doing something right and taking charge mm-hmm. and coming up with the plan yeah, to get in, which completely takes mm-hmm. Angel by surprise. I love the cut to Skinner just watching it all on the CCTV. My, yeah. my, here come the fuzz. <laughs> just really looking forward like getting stuck into it. Yeah. And I find Peg surprisingly convincing here when he's having that brawl with Lurch, considering mm. that's Rory McCann, who would go on to be in Game of Thrones, playing one of the hardest characters in TV history. Yeah. He's the hound, isn't he's he? He's the hound, yeah. 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 So, yeah, Peg surprisingly convincing. Frost is having a wheel of a time. I think Constantine and oh. Spall are great here as well. You know, <laughs> like everyone's into it. You know, the Andes are riffing on that cliche of someone's partner nearly getting taken out, but it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's Bulgnes. It's Bolognese. Angel sliding down the aisle to get next to Danny, but it's maybe about two or three feet that he slid. <laughs> it's really not that impressive. Yeah. Um, but everyone's in action film mode now. And as you've said, Luke, this is just Danny in dream scenario mode now. You know, this is oh, everything that he's wanted. And it's even better for him because the angel is getting into it as well. You know, yeah, yeah. when he says he didn't tell Lurch to cool off. Oh, shame. 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 But <laughs> genuinely delighted by the story where previously he hit Lurch with a cuddly monkey and said, play time is over. Oh, you're off the yeah. fucking chain. Just this is everything he's <laughs> so wanted good. a copper to be about. Yeah, and there's uh, lots of little details going on, like the fact there's far too many sound effects of shotguns being cocked when no one is actually cocking any shotguns, because <laughs> yeah. that's where you get in action films. You know, mm-hmm. when Doris hits Tina with the kind of careful <laughs> the slippery floor sign, <laughs> that should just bounce off her face. It shouldn't send her yeah. skidding across the floor unconscious. Bit of girl on girl, <laughs> nothing like a bit of girl on girl. But that's the point. <laughs> and you know, I, I like the way it leans into the cheesy dialogue here. That scene between Angel and Andy. You know, Angel, don't go being a twat now. Wouldn't give you the satisfaction. <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's all cringe, Great. but deliberately so. So it knows yeah. exactly what it's doing. Wright and Peg know how to play this scene out. And everyone is just really plugged into it. I find the sequence really mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, that's a load of fun. Mm-hmm. There's loads of quotable lines. It's just a ball. Yeah. The Dolmio thing's amazing. Yeah. The glass at the Delicatessen, Wright wanted it to shatter, but it was too expensive to replace mm-hmm. because it was curved glass. Yeah. And the sound design, he added in the sound of ricocheting bullets to suggest that Skinner has reinforced his store, anticipating a raid from the fuzz. (laughs) (laughs) But when it came to the trolley ram raid, the glass did actually shatter for real. It looks the bit. Yeah, it does. Yeah. On the subject of gun violence in movies, Peg had this to say, Mm. men can't do that thing, which is the greatest achievement of humankind, which is to make another human. So we make metal versions of our own penises. Here we go. Yes. And fire more bits of metal out of the end into people's heads. <laughs> <laughs> and we're looking at it. Sure. Yeah. The I difference mean, between is. men and women. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's so strange. <laughs> so three shootouts for the price of one. Now that is a criminal discount. Absolutely. With Skinner making a run for it, Danny and Nicholas are close behind in hot pursuit to head him off. And I'm starting with the car chase. Danny and Nicholas are on Skinner and Frank's ass. Another thing that Danny manages to tick off his list. He's so into it that he's even making his own sound effects. Bang, bang. (laughs) When he's shooting the gun. (laughs) (laughs) It's already doing that. And the Swan subplot is finally resolved. Yeah. And I think this is emblematic of the whole film. I mean, this was set up when... An hour and a half ago, yeah. the swan was a symbol of how kind of meaningless belief life was like in the village. And this is the main source of action for Danny, but becomes a really important beat here. And in the model village scene with Frank later on, 
I love it earlier on when they're trying to find the swan in the montage. We'll see it on the village green and Andy gets his nightstick out and extends it. He's so <laughs> eager to get involved. He's going to batter this swan to death. But this kind of swan thing was inspired by a real life story of a swan getting loose in a community and terrorizing the locals and the police had to be called out to rescue it. And it's happened a number of times since with hot fuzz often referenced when this is reported mm. in the press. Yeah. Right. Classic English journalistic reporting here. Yeah. A swan being loose. Oh, Jesus Christ, it's a big story. Yeah. yeah. The police are swanning around town. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's bullshit. Classic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all kicking off now, and every scene is just like crashing into the next one. So I'm going to go for the fight in the model village. And again, just another example of how Wright and Peg set up a joke way at the beginning of the film only to pay it off later because Angel now is the big cop in a small town because he is <laughs> up in the model village. And it's yeah. like the fight will urge, like Peg having a punch up with Timothy Dalton should feel like it's, well, it's a complete mismatch. And yet somehow yeah. it's not. It's somehow it's convincing. But as ever for me, it's the details. You know, really love Skinner just yelling at that kid when he bites him. You little fucker. <laughs> like you said that thing about like old people getting beaten up. I like yeah. just kids getting sworn at is always funny to me. <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. find that really funny. Brilliant. You know, and the fact that that kid is Aaron A. Aronson, which again, yeah, set yeah, up earlier. Yeah. And, you know, the only close up you get is something being smashed in is the replica Summerfield shop. You know, so they know this stuff inside out, which is why it works. And that shot of Skinner flying through the air before he even peels himself on that spire. Like, <laughs> we were talking about cinematic injuries on one of our Patreon oh, episodes a couple yeah, of months ago. Yeah. And I don't know how I forgot to include no, this don't. one completely passed me by to include this because that looks so painful i could live without though danny shooting the gun in the air while yelling ah because i think it's too much isn't it's it? too on the nose i've got that, that oh that's told. too much guys yeah, oh, too much. Right. yeah this is my point this is my point <laughs> this Greg. is yeah yeah this, this is, is our point, point no return yeah. you know the joke's being told i don't need to see danny doing it i know the point is danny gets to do everything by the end of the film yeah and Daddy's it's consistent a, i suppose it is it's just too on the nose this one for me i think it would have yeah. been funny if he goes to do it but he's out of bullets yeah, and yes, you like that, yeah. and he, but he still does the yelling thing anyway. Yeah, yeah, because he just wants mm-hmm. to do it. So that will work. Yeah, a couple of elements don't land here for me, but overall, a pretty good wrap up to all the action. I think it's like the fight scene between Joshua and Riggs in Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. The rain yeah. coming down, brutal yeah. blows. Yeah, stay back, or the ginger nut gets it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go for the bit after this. Obviously, the scene the helicopter appear over them. We've got the bad boys shot, which is mm-hmm. you know apparent yeah. in the shootout. We're going to go to the pub again. That whole two on the nose. Really on the nose, yeah, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> Brilliant, but it's when the, you, you think everything's fine, as you normally do in action films, and there's one last push, and it's Edward Woodward coming out with a blunderbuss, blunderbuss, yeah. one last explosion, and you know for a fact when you see that mine or that you know something's going to happen mm-hmm. with it. And it's it's a great payoff, and it's just a little bit more than you need. It is it is good. It is good. I do like that bit. <laughs> I mean, I know for a fact that to get the effect, the police station exploding, they made a scale model, and that was that's quite apparent when you watch it again, and they blew yeah. it up, and it was all like on fire, and that's what mm-hmm. you do. And it was just one, it's just one push. I think one push too far, a little bit too far of like, oh, this is how we're supposed to end an action film. No, we're going to end it this way, and we're going to end every action film in, four different ways it's yeah. like it's just a little bit too much for me i think it's a classic cliche when suggested that danny's dead yeah and then yeah. he shows up at the end yeah it's just like riggs visiting his wife's grave oh, are these the all right yeah they're great yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah 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 
But you can't beat the arc that Nicholas has now completed when he says to Doris, you don't mind a bit of manpower, do you? <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cheeky bastard. Yeah. <laughs> so about five different endings for Hot Fuzz. <laughs> Cramming in as many action cliches as possible seems like an entirely fitting end and considering what's gone before it. Yeah. Reception Underwards. As mentioned throughout the show, Edgar Wright worked hard in the editing room, obviously much to Westy's chagrin, and there was a lot riding on it after the success of Sean. Yeah. So Wright got panicky when doing the editing. I'm not fucking surprised. <laughs> 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 That the film would end up with an 18 certificate, which would bring pressure from the studio to make cuts. It ended up with a 15 in the UK, and Wright says, for my money, for a film that features two uses of the C word, somebody's head getting splattered, his words, mm. not mine, yeah. somebody else getting impaled, somebody else getting stabbed, multiple nasty blows and stuff, I think it's pretty good going. The censors are going easy for once. Yeah, they've been lenient, I think, considering. Yeah. And there was a long two were pressed with the film in the US. And when they were at the Austin Alamo draft house, they had two Q&A sessions set up. And Tarantino was in attendance for the first one. And Wright got him to introduce Wright, Peg, and everyone else to the stage. Mm. But during the break between these two Q&As, Wright got talking to Jack Black and Eli Roth. So for the second right. Q&A, the announcer introduced Roth, who introduced Jack Black, who introduced QT to introduce the Hot Fuzz crew. Nice. Brilliant. Yeah. Lads, lads on tour. Yeah. yeah. Well, before that, they'd had a screening at the Creative Art Agency where there were these goodie bags being handed out, including DVD copies of Point Break and Bad Boys 2. Mm. All the Point Break DVDs had gone, and they were left with around 50 copies of Bad Boys 2. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And they took them to Austin, where Eli Roth and QT were handing them out to people. At the end, they were being ushered out because there was a screening of another film coming on, and they had about five copies left. And Tarantino said, we're not fucking going anywhere until we get rid of these Bad Boy 2 DVDs. And you've got to ask a good question. If you don't ask a good question, you don't get your fucking DVD. And the next person stands up and he says, hi, I'm an aspiring director. QT says, sit the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> Harangued. Amazing. At advanced screenings of the film on the 14th of February in the UK, motorbike police escorts were used and the carpet was blue, not red. Nice. And the hard work paid off. Hot Fuzz was hotly anticipated and it fared very well in most departments. On a $16 million budget, it returned a healthy $80 million worldwide more than doubling Sean's take at the box office. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From a critical point of view, it was very well received. Empire praised the chemistry between Peg and Frost, saying, after almost a decade together, they're clearly so comfortable in each other's presence that they feel no need to fight for punchlines, making them terrific company for two hours. I yes. agree with that, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The AV Club said, everything an action comedy should be, it achieves through parody what most films in the genre can't accomplish straight. Mm -hmm. Variety praised Broadbent and Dalton, they said, especially good as Angel's hail fellow well-met superior and oily number one suspect. Yes, <laughs> no, very much. <laughs> yeah. But the Daily Mirror only gave the film two out of five, saying that most of the jokes didn't land. But, you know, it's the Daily, Daily Mirror, Mirror, so who yeah. cares, right? Yeah. There's no jokes in the Daily Mirror, is there? <laughs> no, that is the joke. Yeah. And now Hot Fuzz is a Rotten Tomatoes rating of 91% and a score of 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb. No messing with those kind of numbers. Nope. No big numbers. Obviously, there were no major awards to speak of, but Hot Fuzz did scoop the best comedy film at the Empire Awards that year. Okay. Yes. So impressive stuff on all fronts for Hot Fuzz and a reputation that has grown bigger over time, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
sequels and influence. As discussed on our Shaun of the Dead podcast, Hot Fuzz is the second part of Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy, starting with Shaun and ending with World's End. The films are unrelated but share some cast members, Wright's inimitable style, some visual gags, and also a different flavour of Cornetto ice cream. Yes. Strawberry for Sean, original for Hot Fuzz, and Minty for The World's End. Mm-hmm. We got asked the Sean episode for our rankings on those three films, so go back and listen to that for those magnificent insights. You have to be a Patreon supporter or sign up for Apple Podcasts for that one, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's the incentive. Yes, of course. We were never going to get a direct sequel because Wright and Peg just don't do that. The don't, but on following release of the film, Shane Black declared his love for it and issued a press release saying, on behalf of the nation, I demand a sequel. Ah, well, you, you, you <laughs> can't have a grand of them. On the sequel, Peg said, we already joked about having a Crocodile Dundee reversal of it being Danny in the city. Right. And we also yeah. had an idea of a spin-off with the Andes, with Paddy Considine and Ray Spall. But all of those films, they have an arc. The ones in the Cornetto trilogy, mm-hmm. they have an arc and they feel finished. We made Sean and the sequel to that is Hot Fuzz and the sequel to that is The World's End. Yeah. Thermatic trilogy rather than direct sequels. I would love to play Nicholas Angel again, but I'm probably too old now. Yeah. Uh, I would say so. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. An Andy spin-off would be amazing. I'd love to see more of the Andy's like. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Frosted unless right and pegged to trick fans on social media into believing a sequel had been greenlit when they reunited for a meal in 2018, before later revealing that they'd just been having lunch together. Classic, classic <laughs> Frost. <laughs> classic Frost. What a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings us to our third and final Patreon question. This one is brought to us by Gareth Bidmore. Howdy, Gareth. Hello, Hello Gareth. Gareth. Gareth asks, we've had a Zomcom action and sci-fi. If there was to be another Peg Wright Frost collaboration, what do you think the genre could be and the story of the film? Right. And also, Andy Rutherford. Hi, Andy. Hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. One of the Andys. (laughs) (laughs) Andy asked a similar question. He said, seeing that there are more flavors of Cornetto, Peg and Frost could add more films to the list. What genre? So same question. Yeah. Genre, fellas, Mm. Matt. Have you got a favourite? I think you've got to take into account the age, for one thing, all these guys mm-hmm. now getting into the 50s. Yeah. Purely from Edgar Wright's perspective, I'm convinced he, he has a musical in him. The amount of Ooh. music videos that he shot, one that really stands out to me, I don't know if you know the song, but Colours by Beck. Yeah, which yeah. Has, right. Yes, um, I do. a lot of choreography in that, so I really mm-hmm. think Wright could do a musical, but can Peg and Frost hold a tune or hoof it around at their age? Probably. I would imagine Frost yeah, can. He worked with Sparks as well. I think they could be involved. That's, That's true. true. Yeah, 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 he did the Sparks. That's true. Very good. Yeah, yeah, maybe musical, but I think probably more comfortable for the three of them is something where I would reflect the age. And I think the kind of spy film, but the spy film where someone gets mistaken for the spy or someone ends up with the bit of information. North by Northwest. North by Northwest. North by Northwest. That, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. I think, three Days of the Condor or something like that. Yeah, Three Days of the Condor, yeah, something yeah, like nice. that. Three Days of the Cornetto. Just do that. There we go. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Just do that, Edgar, yeah. and listen to the rest of the two hours yeah. for Westies. Yeah. Recommendations. Yeah, fast forward yeah. to that bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just listen to that bit. <laughs> Love you, Edgar. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think something like that. Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was thinking the obvious choice is a Western. Mm-hmm. Because Wright's first film was A Fistful of Fingers, kind of unofficial, official yeah. first film. Yeah. So he's clearly got a love for the genre. But I think it'd be tricky to pull off because you'd have to base it in the UK. Sean, Hot Fuzz, World's End, they've got transferable stories so you can base them in the UK. Not so much with the Western, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But what I was thinking was is maybe a sports movie. And I was considering their age as well. Mm-hmm. Peg and Frost being rival football managers, maybe. Right. Okay. 
I don't. I mean, that's as far as I've got. I haven't okay, fleshed out. Right. I haven't got a treatment for no. or anything like that. So if <laughs> no. you're listening, Edgar, yeah, you know, get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> we'll flesh it out. Yeah, <laughs> we'll flesh it out together. We'll thrash it out. Yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll make something work. Uh, what about you, Westy? I was the same as you. Look, I was, the obvious choice is a western. Yeah, which they touched on with them riding into town on a horse, and you know mm-hmm. that's all there. And I think it might just be a bit of a cliche, but what I'd love, love to see by these guys is something that hasn't been touched on for a long time and just a good old fashioned disaster movie like an Owen Allen. Oh yes. Oh wow. Tower okay. Inferno or a Poseidon Adventure. Yeah, or yeah. Something that what is this lacking? And it's that depth and that emotion, but a big set pieces. And mm-hmm. these guys really being the actors that they are and the cast that he could bring in would be mm-hmm. similar to like Tower mm-hmm. Inferno mm-hmm. for now. Yeah, or yeah, the Poseidon Adventure for now and have mm-hmm. a lot of, you see the poster, just everyone's face on it and you don't know who's going to die or when they're yeah, going to die yeah, yeah, yeah. and bring it back. Age doesn't really make a difference in that. No, yeah, Everyone yeah. involved. I think a real old school and all like disaster movie would be great for Brilliant. me. Brilliant. Yeah. Wonderful. So a mistaken identity spy film, a disaster movie and a sports managerial movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, take your pick, yeah. Edgar. But just seeing somebody die, like seeing Frost die in a like a disaster movie and dropping the cornet or it's the end. It's all done. <laughs> yeah. It'll be great. Yeah. It'll be wonderful. And seventeen years since the dust has settled on Hot Fuzz, in the years since its release, where have you seen, if any, influence Hot Fuzz has in popular culture? In popular culture, I think just how it's embedded itself into it, the amount of lines mm. that people will quote from this film. This film gets quoted quoting Bad Boys 2 and Point Break more than Bad Boys 2 or Point Break get quoted themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd imagine Weird. a substantial amount of people know those two films from this more than the actual films themselves exist. Mm-hmm. And that's how big I think it is in, in popular culture. So because of that, because I think it's kind of sank in more than Shaun of the Dead, I'm not saying it's their best film, but for its influence in popular culture, I think this might be their definitive film. I think if you said really? to people, Ed Gripe, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, what do you think of them? Oh, yeah, Hot Fuzz guys. Brilliant. Okay. That's how I see it. Yeah, I don't disagree. What about you, Westy? I think it's, like we said before, I think when we're talking about Inglorious Bastards and, and what that influence was, it's an influence on Edgar Wright's further films. Mm. I mm. think the the way that this is cut and the way that this is shot, I think you got a lot of confidence for how popular this film became. Because like I've said, I think this is a film that they made for themselves. I don't really think there's an audience necessarily where you go, this is definitely made for this demographic. It's made for them. Mm. And if you buy into it, then great. Yeah, if you like it. Exactly. And I think he got a lot of confidence from this film. So I think that the influence in this is you can see it more in Edgar Wright's work and the more the confidence that he's built from this. You know, there's a lot of British films that came off the back of this where they've said, actually, we can just do it and pare it down. And it actually makes sense. And people are going to pay money to see something that is quintessentially British and have a British sense of humour. And there was a lot of films that came off the back of this that had a British sense of humour and weren't scared to hide behind accents and, and anything else. So I think it did open a lot of doors. But I think yeah. the most doors that regional, he, yeah, exactly. I think the most doors that he did open though was for Edgar Wright to move forward and make the likes of Baby Driver. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you where I haven't seen its influence, and that's in the action genre. The amount no. of trash that's been carted out of Hollywood in the genre that have completely turned a blind eye to Hot Fuzz. Online, all the Expendable films, for example, mm-hmm. have nowhere near as competent an action film than Hot Fuzz is. Yeah. Right. I think I see the legacy of the film kind of in social media. 
there's a huge amount of affection for this one, yep. particularly over X slash Twitter. It's an endless well of funny memes, just like the one mm. where Considine does that double yeah, take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff. And I just think its reputation has grown since its release. And that's very, very visible. It's got a very visible online presence. It really does. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 I mean, you can't say that you hate this online because you will be carted out of town. Tarred and feathered, Westy. Yeah. yeah. So just watch what you say. Yeah. Sit on here. It's fine. I'll just disappear. So no direct sequel to Hot Fuzz, but I think we're all living in hope. Maybe sixty-six percent of us that the Peg Wright Frost Dream Team will have its fourth out at the cinema sooner rather than later. Mm. Yes. Yes. All the right movies ranking. I'm sure you won't argue that this has been a no holds barred, adrenaline fueled thrill ride. Absolutely. <laughs> And to wrap us up, we're bringing the noise by summarising and rating Hot Fuzz out of 10. Mm-hmm. Westy. Yeah. With some trepidation, the floor is yours. It's straight in there with me. Bless <laughs> you. I've thought about this long and hard, all week really, of like how I'm going to rate this. And I don't quite know because it's it leaves me wanting still, even though I finish it and I watch it again. And like you said, look, it's it's a rewatch and you, you feel satisfied by it. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily feel satisfied when I've seen it over and over, I think it just yeah. leaves me wanting because I know that Edgar Wright is capable of so much more. And at this point, I think Simon Pegg is capable of so much more. I think the cast's wonderful. I think the film is is enjoyable, but it's not something that I'm going to come back to. It's not something that I'd stick on and go, I can't wait to watch this again. And after d- watching it so much for this, I don't think I'll go back to it for a very long time. Loads and loads of people love this film, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate the craft that's gone into this. I appreciate Edgar Wright's touch and how it is light. So for that reason, I'll give Hot Fuzz a very, very kind 8 out of 10. (laughs) Very kind of you. Westy, you were kind with the score considering your comments, so that's that's good. Yeah. I've watched the film too many times to count, so I've obviously got a soft spot for it. It's just a great way to spend two hours with actors that I'm fond of and dialogue that makes me roll around laughing. I think Edgar Wright has got an irresistible style. All right, he's no Bellatar, but he makes fantastic popcorn good time movies. And sometimes that's all you need. What a kick in the balls that was. Thanks, mate. <laughs> but the film comes with loads of delicious layers to unpeel. I will say that the film feels a little imbalanced with the final third, although it's still great. And mm-hmm. the, the, there is a lack of emotion, which does prevent a lack of depth and emotional involvement from a watching perspective. It's a big one for me, but I do prefer Sean. So I'm going to give it a big time, nine out of 10. Okay. Okay. One point more than you. And I think I was a lot more positive. <laughs> <laughs> you were way more positive. And Matt, mm-hmm. what is your summary and score for Hot Fuzz? So Hot Fuzz, it's a film where it depends on how I'm going to rate it and what I'm going to rate it against. You know, I often do kind of give different films different criteria. And mm-hmm. if I'm rating this as a comedy film, it's absolutely top draw. There's been yes. very few films since that I find as funny as this with jokes that run the whole gamut from visual humour to one-liners to character humour, as Jo said in her question, to the typical right and peg jokes that only reveal themselves on further viewings. If I'm rating it as a British film, again, it's top draw because it has this sheen, it has this pace, it has this real sense of being made by a director and a writer who love cinema, who love genre, who know how to mix them who do this from a country where generally we just don't do this kind of film at all, no, we and don't. certainly not as well. It's a faultless cast. There's not anyone mm-hmm. here who think, ah, oh, wish they'd recast them. Yeah. Everyone is great. Everyone delivers. And some of the people here, I think, are giving their best work in the cast. But I think because yeah. Ed Wright is so distinctive, 
he is in that group for me where I have to rate it against his other films. So Shaun of the Dead has so many jokes, but it's got heart and emotion as well. You know, very much. I'll always say about Sean that last twenty minutes, it just knocks me out how like emotionally invested I am with those characters. In you know, mm-hmm. genuinely gutted when Barbara was shot, Ed gets bitten, and yeah. it's genuinely scary, intense as well. Hot Fuzz has so many jokes, but that's it. It's just jokes, and that's mm. obviously fine because that's what they wanted to do, and it's what they pull off brilliantly for the most part. But if I give Sean of the Dead top marks for giving me the unexpected along with the expected. I can't do that with Hot Fuzz because it doesn't give me anything unexpected. So yes. I'm also giving it a nine. Yes. Fair scores, I think. Mm-hmm. Fair comments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for our final score for Hot Fuzz, it's over to those crazy cats at X slash Twitter to bring it home. I've picked out some comments before I give you the big reveal. Okay. Firstly, Jenny Davidov Cook at Jenny D450 said, favorite movie tied with Shaun of the Dead. I've watched it over and over. Love the comic timings and the editing. Listen to this, Westy. The editing is brilliant. Okay. Fancy that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Ludgate at Ludgate Ray says, It's hilarious. Endlessly rewatchable and one of the most quotable movies of all time. It's consistent in tone, stays true to its own internal logic and pays off everything it sets up. The brilliant cast seem to be enjoying themselves. Bring the noise. 10 out of 10. Does that. Dave J. Sherwood at Dave J. Sherwood said, with respect, can I just make Hot Fuzz a 10? Yes, I can. I'm the chief inspector. And it's hilarious. <laughs> Very nice. Nice. Yes. <laughs> and on the slightly more negative side, Scarver Shawcross at Scarver Shawcrow 1 said, I'll give it a 2. I'd rather watch real action films. Wow. Hey, yeah, you can do both, yeah, Scarver. Can yeah, do of both. course you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so out of 10, what do you think Hot Fuzz got on X? I'm going to say nine. Yeah, people of a top going to back myself and say it's a nine from them nine, as well. Nine, yeah. Mm. You're both right. Out of the park. Off the fucking chain. It is a nine <laughs> out of ten. We got a lot of votes on that one. There's clearly a yes. great love for Hot Fuzz Online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which means that overall, Hot Fuzz scored a very nice 35 out of 40. Mm-hmm. Respectable. Yes. Strong. Yeah. 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 You can see where Hot Fuzz ranks amongst... All the other films that we've talked about on our classic podcast, go to alltherightmovies.com forward slash leaderboard. We are taking a, a very short break in our podcast schedule, so in two weeks we'll be pulling something wonderful out of our archive for a limited time only. Mm-hmm. So keep your eyes open for that in two weeks. Yep. Then we'll be back with a bang two weeks afterwards. John, Matt, and Westy will be plunging into the behind-the-scenes story of Alex Garland's Ex Machina, mm. a great film to get into, bound to be another classic classic, that one. Yeah, yeah, should be. Really interesting film, that. Mm, really very interesting. interesting film, yeah. Right up John Street, that one. Yeah, oh, yeah yes, he's I lapping it up. He we're not going to say much. <laughs> no, no, we're just going to let him go. Yeah, you just, we'll just get some kind go. of like Ferris Bueller dictaphone and just have that little <laughs> repeating. <laughs> Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. <laughs> For our director's chair, Tia Patrons, the three of us here talked about two of the best from Dustin Hoffman, Marathon Man and Tootsie. Yes. Mm-hmm. That came out last week. Lots so sign fun. up yeah, to be a director's one. chair to your patron and get your hands on that one. You will not be disappointed. Yes, no. loads of fun. Yeah, it was great fun. Great stuff. As mentioned at the top, patrons get access to all of those podcasts mentioned and more. You get a see in what films that we cover and the scores they get. You're missing out on hundreds of hours of ATRM classics and Patreon episodes. So that is patreon.com forward slash all the right movies. And you can also buy our podcast individually on our website, all the right movies.com. 
And also you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts for the classic podcast archive. Yes. A lot of choices. Absolutely. And keep up to date with us on social media. On X slash Twitter, we are at AT Right Movies. We post all day, every day. And we've always got loads of behind-the-scenes stuff, photos, clips, interviews. Yep. We've got our amazing making of movie threads and like our podcast, our info comes directly from cast and crew or is corroborated by at least three sources. So keep checking back regularly for more. They're going up all the time. Definitely. On Instagram and threads, we are at all the underscore right movies. TikTok, it is at all the right movies. We've got our Facebook group, which is gaining a lot of traction and there's a lot of very nice conversations to be had there about movies and nothing else. Absolutely. Yes, there's nothing nobody else. doing it better than we are right mm. now. So no, oh, yeah, there's a song there somewhere. Where I think so. It might be a Bond tune. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. And also, don't forget YouTube. We've got our videos on there. If you could like the videos, subscribe to us and put some comments on there. Let other people know about our YouTube channel, YouTube videos. We would appreciate Massively that. Massively appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. And if you love what we do on the podcast, please spare a bit of time to give us a written on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. As I'm sure you all agree, it's a five-star podcast. Five would be the logical rating, so go for it. Yeah, why not? And our website is alltherightmovies.com. Loads of ATRM stuff to get into. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is a wrap on Hot Fuzz. Woo! Hell of a day, yeah? Yep. <laughs> Maybe we should celebrate, unless you've got a water your piece, Lily. Pub. <laughs> <laughs> Come back in two weeks for a classic from the archive. And thank you very much for listening, everyone. You will be hearing from us very soon. Yes, you will. Thanks, guys. Yes, you will. Thanks, guys. Thanks Thanks for listening. Appreciate it, Lord. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. beard.